Hello and welcome to episode 9 of Why Comics, the comics theme podcast from the nerds who haunted themselves. I'm Stuart Moraine and this week I was joined by Geek Syndicate's Barry Nugent to put the big question to him, Why Comics? Uh, we talk for a couple of hours and uh, we go off on quite a few tangents, taking in the films and TV and the Dirt Mags radio stuff as well. Um, but it all sort of comes together in a wider conversation about comics. And uh, yeah, that's all for this intro. Um, thanks for listening, and here comes the theme tune. the devil i'm i'm deviling well <laughs> awesome that, that phrase i think it is it is now it is now you're a writer yeah. you can coin any phrase you want yeah I, supposedly people told me i'm a writer i'm still waiting for that um that writing shoe to drop <laughs> on, on my head so uh yeah <laughs> nah, i just gotta own it man and once enough people tell you you're a writer it's official i know i know it's like whenever I use a big word at work, or no, whenever someone's looking for a word in a report, I want to say something. Oh, you're right, Barry. How do I say? And I'm like, I don't even know what you're talking about. <laughs> I can't just pluck words out of my ass. I need a little bit of help. <laughs> so any any hint of you having any form of talent and you're instantly the go-to guy <laughs> for everything. Yeah, I know. It's like, you're a writer. Translate this from French for me. So that's not how writing works. No. No. But, but still <laughs> there's a whole other story where i got a in my first job they tried to draft me into the worst cricket team just because my parents came from jamaica but that's a whole other story <laughs> <laughs> fortunately i've not had any anybody's ever tried to draft me into anything sporty so yeah, i think yeah. they take one look at me they're like yeah no he'd die <laughs> if they took a proper look at me they'd understand they'd, they'd make the same conclusion <laughs> so, I'm, I'm every cliche of a nerd. I'm asthmatic. Got glasses. <laughs> You've doubled down on your geekdom. I like it. I've, I've owned it. It's got me out of doing sporty yeah. things. <laughs> Anything remotely physical beyond my job. So. <laughs> but, but yeah, so still, you know, means I get to read comics. True. And my my nickname at school was um, was Joe. Well, people who are listening may not even know who this character is, but um, uh, Joe Knighty. Oh. <laughs> which I always thought was really weird because he was a puppet and white. I'm not quite sure why they called me Joe Knight, other than the fact the only thing we had in common was that we both wore glasses. That seems to be all it takes, to be fair. Yeah, yeah. It's like okay, couldn't have gone with Clark Kent then. I would have, I would, <laughs> I would have taken that. Do you know what I mean? I was, no. I was Egon at school because I had glasses and big oh, hair. Wow, oh, that yeah, that's good though. Which, which I, you know, I learned to own. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I, I would have owned the Egon if I'd got called that. So, yeah. I mean, it wasn't a cool big hairdo. It was like very bouffanty, but... <laughs> to be fair, Egon's wasn't, wasn't exactly, you know... No, I know. He wasn't. It wasn't exactly a trend-sitting hairstyle, was it? No, but it was Harold Ramis, so... True. We'll, we'll let it go. Yeah. So, but yeah, and then it was Potter briefly when I got older. Because I worked in a warehouse, and that was clearly their only nerd reference. So. <laughs> 
<laughs> we gotta call him something. Fat Potter. Oh, it's been glasses. So we got. It's all we got. I heard him saying you got into his forehead. Yeah, I heard him saying you got called Egon at school. So we can't. We can't go with that. We're gonna have to do something else. Oh, bless them. Uh, they try, don't they? They do, but but still, I did eventually become token nerd in one of my jobs. So. Oh, okay. I own that one for a bit. So, I but... find that sometimes um, the worst thing you can have, hopefully, the person at work won't listen to this, but I sometimes find the worst thing you can have at work is when you're not the only nerd and the other nerd is a loud nerd. <laughs> so I'm running a whole Clark Kent scheme at work where I'm kind of just keeping it quite quiet. I do, you know, people know that I do a podcast and blah, blah, blah. Well, the people that I really get on with know that, but most people don't. Most people don't know that I will do YouTube videos where I've been dressed up as a Jedi and, and various other things. Um, and there's this one guy and he's a proper geek and he'll just come in the office. And he'll come up to me really loudly and go, you know, oh, have you seen the new Star Trek trailer, new Star Trek Discovery trailer? You've seen it, yeah? You've seen it, yeah? It's good, isn't it? And then I'll even if I make one statement about it, I know it's going to lead into half an hour loud conversation in the middle of the office where people are just looking over going, oh, look at them fucking geeks, look at them. You know, <laughs> and I just want to go, dude, just take it. I'm quite happy to talk to you about it, but just take it down a notch. Or better yet, let's just take it out of the office. <laughs> See, I don't mind people knowing. It's when they no. try and talk to me about it. That's when I sort of clam up a little bit. Yeah. It's like I'm fine around my own, but anybody else that's kind of like, so you like them comic books things? Like, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, like, tell me about that. Talking. It's like, well, you know, they're, they're kind of stupid, to be honest. You don't really want to know. Yeah. You know, I just never grew up. <laughs> Not actually wanting to be out with, like, they're the greatest thing, with, like, amazing storytelling and everything. Because I'm pretty sure if I did that, that'd be more like, all right, dork. <laughs> yeah, take it down a notch. You know, just make a conversation. It's <laughs> trying to be polite. <laughs> <laughs> but I suppose that sort of brings us on a little bit to the... Uh, reason you're on this podcast which is to uh very loudly and publicly ask you the question why comics because excellent <laughs> um <sighs> do you know when you asked me to sort of come on and you told me what the format was i thought great i'll give you plenty of time to come up with some like scintillating open statement as to why comics and what's happened is it's just been a complete shitstorm where <laughs> nothing's really come out of my mind about it. Um, so, well, so I'll just go way back to the beginning and kind of just say, I think um, for me, um, comics were, it, it was a route into my imagination, I guess, for me, because um i'm of the slighter older geek generation um and i used to read my brother's comics um to begin with and he used to get the marvel reprints um and we're, we're talking this would have been sort of early 80s that sort of time um and um i didn't realize at the time that they were reprints um i had no idea that there was a whole thing i just thought that they would these were just the legitimate comics does that make yeah. sense yeah. um i think there was a, i didn't even know that the marvel ones were 
at the States, so a lot of those were colour. You know, I think he got one comic once. I think it was, a, I remember it because it had Shang-Chi and Luke Cage in the front. And it was all in colour and it blew my mind. Because um, I was like, what? They do Marvel comics in colour? What the fuck? <laughs> um, and uh, so to begin with, I didn't, my kind of experience with, with comics was secondhand. I, I'm a brother. And then um, I sort of got older and I did a paper round, which meant I sort of, sort of comics coming into news agents and stuff and i started uh picking up um 2000 ad that was probably the first sort of comic i was buying um 2000 ad and eagle um i was getting um which was weird at the time because eagle it was a they'd restarted eagle um sort of back in the 80s because it originally started was it so i want to say 60s was it 60s yeah that sounds yeah. right and this was like a restart so they'd restarted um dan Dare, um and it was weird mix because you had actual comics in there but they had these other ones which were sort of um i can't think what the phrase is is it like photo where it was, um, it was yeah. basically photos um, where they just slapped captures on them and stuff. And there was one called Doom Lord, which used to scare the bejesus out of me. Um, and it was just weird. It was a weird mix between the two. So I, I did get quite a lot of the Eagles, and I did enjoy them. But um, my sort of main sort of comic was 2000 AD. Also, as well, I was a big fan of um, Tintin um, and Asterix. That's probably going back a little long, because I used to get those out of the library. Um, yeah, and sort of bring them. Out. I think everyone kind of did that, you know. And I was so excited to get the latest Tintin, and I'd come home with it, and then spend a Saturday afternoon just, just plowing through it. Um, and I loved those because they were so rich, so colourful. And as a family, we never went. And we didn't travel. You know, we never a lot of money, so we didn't go on holiday or anything like that. The closest holiday we'd go is when we'd go to Bedford to see like my aunt and uncle. <laughs> um, so for me, seeing those Tintin comics, okay, there's some dubious ones in there. Fortunately, I didn't find out about those till much later in life. Um, and sort of seeing those and kind of just seeing these other countries that he was going to and the adventures that we were having, it was kind of the closest that I was getting to sort of experience that. Um, and so kind of going on from that, it was 2000 AD, and then um, I was getting my own comics but I, I was a uh, I was as I said I was more Marvel um than DC I didn't really get any DC comics as a kid uh, they were, uh, also as well you were kind of I think Vince talked about this when he was on before you were a bit of a slave to whatever the news agents had in um, yeah because there never seemed to be a lot of DC reprints no. over here at the time no um it was always Marvel stuff and my and my brother had um like an account with the news agents so he actually I, I don't know, the news agent must have been a proper comic fan because he actually ordered his comics in and they came to the news agents. Um, so a lot of the comics I was able to sort of read almost an entire story. There were quite a few where I didn't and you were just happy to just have a comic to read, which is a very different experience to what we have now, where if you bought out three issues of a comic and then you read those three and then you never, you couldn't get hold of the fourth one, you would lose your mind. Yeah. <laughs> burn someone's house to the ground or something um, whereas I remember this is uh, probably when I was like 
just before I went to uni or whatever, I remember they did this crossover and it was, I'm a massive fan. And anyone that knows me, I'm a massive fan of pulp adventure stuff. Like my favorite film is Raiders of Lost Ark and The Rocketeer. And I love all of that. And I picked up a, it was a comic series with The Shadow and Doc Savage. Oh, cool. Um, and it was like a team up. And it was a four issue comic. Um, I always use this as an example because I was I got three issues. Red does three issues. Reread does three issues. Rinse and repeat about thirty times because I was never I was never I never ever forgot the fourth issue. Um, and in fact, I got the fourth issue uh, twenty years later, I think. Um, and. It was great. It was great to get it. However, I think I'd divide so many different endings in my head. Yeah, it was never going to live up. <laughs> it, it was never going to live up to it, you know. Um, so I, I kind of then, much like everyone else has probably said, I had a period where I went away from comics. But I think for me, it was probably different in that it, it was a kind of self-imposed, not self-imposed, it was kind of imposed by society from the point of view of like, you got to a certain age and you were just told you, you shouldn't be reading comics anymore. Yeah. yeah. What were you reading comics for? You don't read comics anymore. You're, you're, you know, you, you're a teenager now. You're, you're 18 now. You don't do that anymore. You know, that's it. By looking. <laughs> yeah. You know, um, Oh God, no God. Oh. Well, but you yeah. said comics in it. That was my sort of way. Yeah. Of looking. Yeah. And I remember, it's, it's, it's a segue now, but I remember my dad used to get, um, I think he used to get a Daily Mirror uh, newspaper. And I'm sure it was the Daily Mirror because that had a strip in it, um, which was called Garth. Yeah. I think it was Garth. Yeah, I'm pretty sure my stepdad um, used to get it, and I remember yeah. that. Yeah. And he was just this badass guy. And I never really under, I never really found out what his job was. Do you know what I mean? Was he a secret? Was he a secret agent? Was he a plumber? You just kicked off in his spare time. I just didn't know. All I knew was he was this lantern-jawed guy that spent every strip beating the shit out of someone. But I never knew why. And because I never read an entire Garth story, I never knew how it started. I never knew how it ended. I never really knew what, how he got involved in something. I would just pick up this random strip where he, he'd just be beating some guy up, and I'd be like, oh, "Okay, Garth's at it again." Do you know what I mean? Um, I don't know, maybe a plumbing contract went wrong and he's just kicked off with some Russian mobsters. <laughs> I have no idea. Um, so I think after, you know, I said I got to a certain age and I stopped reading comics and completely stopped reading comics. And what what happened um, for me was I then went off to uni much later in life. I went off to, let's say much later, I was 24. It's not, it's not like I was 50. Um <laughs> <laughs> but you know, I, I don't know. Rodney to, Dangerfield, but yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. You know, I have my own sitcom, you know, New <laughs> John Campus. Um, but you know, I, I'd kind of, um, I, I was what's classed as a mature student because I, I was 24 and I'd, I'd, I'd worked and then I was made redundant and then I left London, went to Northampton, and it was the first time I'd actually properly left London because originally I'd born and raised in North London and, um, it was quite a terrifying experience going to Northampton, even though I now call Northampton my home and I've been there for 25 years. Um, because I didn't know anyone and I, lost, and I completely lost touch with my friends back in London. And um, anyone who who's listening, who's listened to 
you know the podcast that I do or whatever will probably will have heard this story a million times. But my the only other geek that I knew at school um, was was Dave, who I do Geek Syndicate with. And um, when I left London, we basically completely lost touch. Um, and well, not completely, but we would we would maybe speak once a year. Um, and we would have these kind of sweeping um, conversations that would last like anything from like an hour to like three hours. Um, because he was the only geek that I knew. So whenever I spoke to him, we would then have this massive catch up of all the stuff that we'd watched. Because um, I said I wasn't reading comics then. So with either we'd be talking about books or games or TV or film. Um, Chris, and maybe if you're doing that now with the amount of content that comes out, I know, well, yeah, hence, hence Geek Syndicate being a lot harder <laughs> to do these days. Um, but to be honest, I mean, we could get we could get we could get at least two hours out of an episode of Dot to You anyway, yeah. So, you know, and so we'd have these sweeping conversations, and then, um, what Dave ran, and I'll never forget, he rang me up out of the blue and um, he said, I've got a comic for you. And I said, I don't really, I don't really do comics anymore, mate. I don't really read comics. And then he said, um, it's basically, he said, it's this bloke and he's being trained by Sherlock Holmes. And I went, I'm in. Um, and the, he sent me the comic. So it, again, it was going, like going back to a kid, going back to being a kid. It wasn't the first issue. It was like issue six or something like that. I can't remember exactly. Um, and I read it, and I was kind. And this was the first comic I'd probably read in I don't know, fifteen years maybe. And it just blew my mind. I mean, the art was phenomenal, um, and I just loved it. I just loved it. And and suddenly I was like, I've got to have all of this comic. And the comic hadn't even finished it. The comic was still going. I was like, I've got to have it. And the the comic was called Planetary. I don't know if you've heard of it or read it or. Yeah, um, I've not read it, but I've heard of it. It's on it's one of those ones that's on my to ever grow into read list. <laughs> yeah, I know. Which is uh, Warren Ellis and uh, John Cassidy. Um, and I absolutely, so straight away, I went and managed to get hold of the first five issues, which was actually quite difficult because the, that was when I discovered um, my local comic shop in Northampton at the time. Um, which wasn't at the time wasn't run by um, Jeff, who runs it now, who also does the Nice Convention. Oh right, yeah. Um, so that's my local shop. He always has a go at me because I never go in there anymore. Um, <laughs> but <laughs> time to change for me. Um, but he, I was go, I was going in there and getting planetary comics and stuff like that, and so that had reignited my love of comics because then I, the, the guy at the time when I was going in there, he was he was brilliant, and he was um, recommending other stuff to me. He was like, oh, well, if you like planetary, try this and stuff like that. So then I started to sneak in the back door of comics and reading other stuff, and then Dave had been listening to um, Comic Geek Speak, and um, he said, "Have you?" He said, "Have you heard of something called a podcast?" Which seems absolutely ludicrous to say that phrase now. Yeah, <laughs> um, but you've got to remember this was this was two thousand and six, you know, and and podcasts just they just didn't really exist. 
podcast. Well, that's it. Until I heard that Ricky Gervais did one, I had no idea what a podcast was. Yeah. And then I had no idea what a podcast was. Yeah. You know, and um, and I kind of was like, "What the hell?" And again, I was, "What the hell is a podcast?" And he sort of explained it to me, and then he um, told me how to get hold of one because it was really difficult to get hold of one. You know, so I went and listened to Comic Geek Speak, and I was kind of like. My first thought was there's other people who like comics, which again is a stupid thought because if you think about it, there'd be no industry if people weren't reading comics. Yeah. But I think it was because it wasn't just the fact that these were people reading comics. These were people my age, these were adults reading comics and talking about them really passionately. And I, I only thought there was Dave and then it would just be kids. And that's not knocking kids because I believe that... Um, every, the comics are for everyone. Doesn't matter what age you are, they're for everyone. Is a comic for you, you know. Um, but we're in this country, we're sold that comics are for kids, and you get to a particular age and you leave that behind, yeah. You know, yeah, you move uh, on to proper books, yeah, you move on to quote, proper unquote. books, yeah. And um, so you know, we started doing Geek Syndicate, and as I said, I remember um, me talking to my wife at that the time, she wasn't my wife, she was just a girlfriend, um. And saying to her, trying to explain to her what a podcast was, and Dave and I were going to do this, and blah, blah, blah. And her phrase was, who the fuck's going to listen to you? <laughs> um, that, I love a, the supportive nature of wives. A, yeah, she, she's always been supportive. Um, I remember it's, com- the same. it's completely, because I know we're talking about comics, but, it's, but obviously you've, you've opened the writing door. But I remember I wrote the first, um, when I finished my first book or my proper book anyway I'd written a covering letter to send to an agent and I got Sue to read it she gave it back to me covered in red felt tip pen and I'll never to this day never forget it because she'd crossed out whole sections that I'd written with no real explanation and on one bit she'd underlined the sentence and then she'd written in large capital letters with a question mark why (laughs) So that's why I always say people always have this thing about any creative industry where they creative endeavor. They sort of go, oh, you know, don't show it to your mom or your wife or your husband or because they'll just say it's lovely bullshit. <laughs> Depends on the wife, the husband, the mum, the who bullshit. Yeah. I'm 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 terrible. So <laughs> when she read my foot, when she read my um, novel. Dave and I were actually at a comic convention. So this is still Leeds. Dave and I were at, we were at Bristol. And um, we were driving home. And Sue had sent me a, a message to say, I've just finished Fallen Heroes. I turned to Dave and said, Sue's just finished Fallen Heroes. Dave pulled over and stopped the car. <laughs> Looked at me and he went, you what? And he was like, what, what, what do you mean? She, she, she just texted me, mate. She's she falling here. He's like, what are you going to test about? I'm like, I don't know. What do you think? He's like, I don't know either. We sat there for 15 minutes trying to come up with what kind of response <laughs> I could send back to my wife, knowing that she's read this this thing where I've put my heart on the line, you know, literally speaking, you know, and we've already got, I already know what she's like. Do you know what I mean? Yes. And, um, so I ended up sending her a text back, which was literally, um, yeah, we've just left, um, we've just left Bristol, probably about an hour and a half, away, hour and a half away. Love you. That was it. <laughs> no reference to the book, nothing. 
And Dave was like, "Yeah, I reckon that was a bit, I reckon that was a safe bet, mate. I reckon that was a way to go. Don't don't deal with, <laughs> don't deal with it now. You've had. I remember him saying, "Don't deal with it now. We've had a good time." <laughs> I mean, she did like it, so that's fine. But yeah. however, you know, um, it's not what you want on a car journey, is it? It's, it's not. It really isn't. It really isn't. So yeah, so obviously we started Geek Syndicate, and certainly at the beginning we did talk. I mean, we still talk comics, but um. I don't think we talk comics as much um, as we used to, and it's something that I certainly want to try to do more of because there's, there's just so much good stuff in there. Um, but certainly when we started, there were two um, other UK comic podcasts. Um, that was it. Yeah. Um, Birds of Geek. Um which we've now restarted, um, and quiet panelists at work. And you've never, if you've never ever heard of quiet panelists, I mean, not, I don't think they're going anymore, those guys. But if you if you can still find their episodes, go and listen to those episodes. Um, because in many ways, what Vince is doing with the Awesome Comics podcast those guys were kind of doing in a much different way way back in the day they they they're almost like the Monty Python of comic podcasts because <laughs> um, one of the segments they used to do was Secret Invasion with Jason Statham nice um, which had its own jingle and everything they did had its own jingle as uh, you know and they they were their podcast was just it's still to this day one of my favorite ever podcasts um, you know they did the whole piss take of us called the Greek Syndicate um, where they were these two Greek guys pretending to be me and Dave, and yeah, just yeah, and awesome and and lovely guys as well, you know. Um, so yeah, so it was really weird being at the start of doing sort of comic podcast back then because, and and to a certain extent, even the comic, the the sort of UK comic scene was, it was going, but it was still in its. You know, you look at where we are now with Fort Bubble and stuff like that. I mean. I'm in a short space for about, well, since I've been doing True Believers, which we're coming to our sixth year, but it's changed massively in that time. It's huge. Just, you know. um... To the point where I genuinely believe that small press is the UK comic industry now. You've got your 2018 in that, but I genuinely think that small press is where it's at. That is our UK comic industry. Well, and even, and and to to be, I mean, some people like it, some people don't. It has different connotations when you talk to, but even the term small press now seems a little bit dare I say outdated yeah I was thinking that earlier um (laughs) what what can we start to call it now I mean I suppose indie comics but it just doesn't feel feels like it doesn't quite encompass it enough but at the same time like you say small press is so big now yeah and and I think with and I suppose in many ways small press is such a widely used term it is almost like why change it because it's become yeah, it's, it's a good shorthand isn't it yeah it, i think it's really i think people have tried in the past to sort of get an independent comic you know to even stretch out the indie comics and just call it independent comics and stuff and people have tried and stuff like that but it's it's worked to limited degrees depending on who you talk to or what convention you go to but i think people always gravitate back to just that term small press yeah like, i think uh, the trouble with indie comics is that you sort of think more your idw's image comics when you think independent, I think that's still bled mm-hmm. into a lot of people's minds. But... Yeah, but you just but but to be honest, I think especially when you look at the advances in you know 
printing and the quality and the ideas that are out there and stuff like that, that you can pick up, you know, comics at a convention from, you know, one person at a table, which is quality wise, stands up against your big two. Oh, yeah, definitely. I, I think know? if you put a Marvel or a DC badge on the front of some of the small press books, yeah, you wouldn't know that it wasn't a DC book. Yeah. Um, I mean, you look at... Because um, I'd had it in my sort of... After listening to your uh, episode with Vince, I was like, right, shit, he's going to ask me what comics I like at the end. Oh, crap, I need to get a list of comics. Um, but you look at what um, improper books are doing. Um, yeah. You pick up any improper book, and it's a stamp. Of, it's a stamp of quality. You know, you know if you pick up a book from improper, it's it's quality. But some people could argue that they're indie, but you could also argue equally they're small press. Yeah. You know, um, certainly when they started, they were. They may not be now, but um, when they started, they were. But you look at the quality of the product that they're putting out. You know, from the design, the layout, the look of it, but also the the quality of the writing, the ideas, the lettering, everything across the board is nailing it. You know, um, yeah. But also with the you you dive into that indie scene, and it's it's something that Dave and I have always um, talked quite a lot about on the podcast, and keep shouting about it. Um, is this idea that comics are a medium? And the amount of people that I spoke to over the years which just do not get that concept. No, um, it's it's something I again I've been thinking about a lot is you know, how do you break down that final wall of getting it so that it is reported in mainstream media in the same way that a novel is or a film is or a new album is. Yeah. It's just what is that barrier to break down beyond people just assuming that still assuming that they're kids stuff. I mean, it's two barriers, you know, it's, it's one is getting over the barrier that it's kid stuff. And two is getting over the barriers that it's just cape and tights. Yeah. Um, and again, it's that sort of whenever I say that term or any comic person says that term in a slightly derogatory manner, they then have to follow it. Um, it's like contractual with a, uh, but I like, I like superhero stuff. You know, you've got to follow yeah. that. When you it. It's not just cape and tights, but I love superhero stuff. <laughs> not that know. there's anything wrong with cape and tights. Yeah. But... You know, not there's anything wrong with that, you know. It's like saying some of my best friends are black. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> but it, but what I'm saying is is that there's capes and tights are, are literally the tip of the iceberg, and the problem is is that because they're the tip of the iceberg, that's all most people are seeing. Yeah, I suppose they're the gateway drug, aren't they? That's yeah. What the films are made of. Yeah. I mean, obviously, you get films of like the history of violence, that sort of thing, but majority of average cinema goers has no idea that's a comic book but also a lot of that is it's because of the way it's marketed a lot yeah. of that so a lot of those um films tv shows which are slipping in under the net which are actually adapted from comics um the marketing doesn't reflect it whereas your marvel and dc stuff to be honest most of it is done by the minute you see any footage you know you know it's super yeah. so you know it's a, you know you know it's a comic um but i suppose that, it's an easy shorthand for tights and capes isn't it Whereas yeah yeah 
something like The Kitchen or something like that that came out recently where they're kind of like, you know, it's based on a comic. It's like, really? So there's a superhero in it? It's like, yeah. fuck, no. <laughs> well, yeah, it's, you know, it, and it's, it's this weird situation where I remember when um, Unbreakable, I remember going to see Unbreakable when that came out and having no idea what that film was about and then coming out of that film and going, oh shit, that was a, you know, that was a superhero film. That was a, yeah. it's an origin film. This is a comic book film. You know, um, and then listening to interviews with um, M. Night Charlemagne and him saying the reason that that was done was because the studios were so terrified about having the label um, comics on it. Yeah. You know, and that's how it's kind of, it kind of came, which worked in its favour in, in the end. Um, and then weirdly, when you look at Glass, People have mixed emotions about Glass, but I can't bring myself to watch Glass. I love um, Unbreakable so much that I I don't really want to see what he's done. <laughs> it's a mix. It's a mix. I enjoyed it. Do you know what I mean? I enjoyed it, but I think I understand some people why some people didn't enjoy it, but I enjoyed it. Um, however, some of people's criticisms on it was like, "Where was my big fight scene? Where was my big?" should be more CG and, and all that because now we're in this world where you can't have that kind of film unless you've got some big CG budget going with it and a big fight and a big whatever <laughs> just people sat there like when they're going to team up to fight Thanos yeah, you know, yeah where's Thanos in this what's going on you know um, he's got to do more than just wear a cape sorry than just wear like a green over, over jacket thing surely you know it's got to stop bullets not just keep the rain off um <laughs> So, yeah, so we're in this sort of weird um, sort of position with, with comics, I feel, where we're just, the message isn't getting out to the, the masses, as it were. And I remember recently, I mean, you know, my, my wife isn't a geek, even though she watches a lot of the shows I watch and, and stuff like that, but she's not, she isn't a geek. Um, and, but she works as a, um, she won't listen, so I'll shoot me. Um, but, uh She's been a social worker, but she works as a child therapist and she deals with trauma and, and, and lots of stuff like that. And I told her about um, the two comics by um, Rachel Smith. Yeah. Which is Stand in Your Power and Wired Up Wrong, which I love. I, I, you know, I always put my hands up with those. I always say there's a perfect example of comics being the medium at its best. You know? Yeah. Um, and I told her about his comics and showed her those comics, and she said, "You know, Jesus, these these are great. You know, they should be in like therapist waiting rooms across the country that people can sit and read. You know, of of someone's experience and stuff like that in a way that they can digest, rather than giving someone a two hundred page um, textbook yeah. about trauma. Go off and read that. You know, give them this. It's, it's someone's real experiences. You know, and I was saying to her, but that is just that is the tip of the iceberg because there are there are there is a comic for every single genre. You know, anything that you want. Odds are, if you dig deep, you'll find a comic for it. And if it's really really um, rare, you just go to manga because that that, that that they cover. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? <laughs> you know, you know, you want to you want to get a, a comic about a dude who's, who just spends his days gardening. Odds are, there's a manga for it. Yeah, definitely. You know, <laughs> it's probably like sixty-four parts. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the robot dog or something. I don't know. You know, 
called Brad. Uh, <laughs> you, you, do you know what I mean? So it's it's. I think in many ways we are. Um, we've never been more. Um, we've never been more visible and invisible. Yeah, so I was talking to a friend. And I was like, comic book characters have never been more popular, but it's just not translating to the actual comic books, unfortunately. Yeah. So like yeah. the amount of Iron Man t-shirts you'll see, but a good chunk of those people have probably never picked up a comic. <laughs> well, and the, uh, I think the thing is where you've got this crazy situation where, and I've talked to people about this, where these films, and I, you know, I love all of them. You know, I love the Marvel films. I love some of the DC films. Yeah. Um, and um, they're making, like, every film comes out is making, like, bajillion dollars. Um but that that money isn't it's not getting pumped back into the industry no it's getting pumped back into doing more films and i'm not saying that's a bad thing but what i'm saying is is that but that's your source that's your source material and whether or not people talk about like oh winter soldier is my favorite film yeah but there was a comic before that that they've mined for a lot of that story content. Yeah. You know, Infinity Gauntlet was a graphic, do you know what I mean? was, was a, a multi-issue sort of sweeping epic. They mined some of that, you know, they mined a lot of that, you know, and at what point does that source dry up because you're not putting money into it? Yeah, I think once the vocal online majority of comic book fans have died off or disappeared kind of thing i think i could see comic as a print form disappearing quite quickly after <laughs> once I the mean, cry for it yeah I, I, oh. certainly from the mainstream i mean you kind of get the feeling sometimes with both warners and disney that they're just looking for any excuse to get rid of marvel and dc as a comics publisher mm. well i think the thing is which is kind of what we said is i think where people kind of look at it is if DC and Marvel go down the toilet, well, that's it. Yeah. It's comics done, you know, you know, shut the door, you know, we had a good run, it's done. And that's bullshit because that's DC and Marvel. And I'm not saying, you know, they're, they're obviously they are the heavy hitters, but the indie industry is quite happily doing its thing. Yeah. And they're very much picking up the slack where DC and Marvel have dropped the ball recently. Yeah. And, and, what, what I what I found is like, and it sounds like I'm on a big Marvel DC bash, and I'm not, to be honest. Comics are comics, you know. Yeah. Um, and um, but for me, what I find quite funny sometimes is when they do certain film, you know, certain Marvel films and DC films, and make a big deal about something. Oh look, we're doing this, and I'm kind of like, I could I could have cited you like six indie comics that have done that and did that like ten years ago. Yeah. You know. Um, and probably did it better. <laughs> yeah, and you know, and the, and the, and the difference is the difference is exposure. That's the difference. Is that one lot's getting? You know, it, they've got this huge marketing budget, so they're able to throw money at these films. And to a certain extent, now they they've kind of taken a life of their own anyway. So you don't really need the amount of marketing, the money that was thrown at Endgame. Was we really had to do was just basically taking that out in the paper, just go Endgame. Yeah, comes out, comes out this day. <laughs> do you know what I mean? It's not. You know, you don't need to throw money at a film like Endgame. People are going to go and see it. Yeah. What you need to be throwing money at is, you know, how are we going to get more people into comic stores? You know, do we need to be looking at comic stores? Um, 
are they robust for the future? Do we need to be thinking about radical changes to comic shops? Um, it's, an, it's an unpopular statement that I've made in the past, and I, I don't know if I'll make it again. But, you know, I still struggle when I go into comic shops because, um, and certainly when I go in there with friends who aren't into comics who come in with me, um, that everything is done in most shops, everything's done by company order. Yeah. Um, and that's great if you know your companies. But if you don't and you're just wandering off the street, you, you quickly become lost in it. You know? Um, if yeah, going... it's a tricky thing. I know a few shops that do it different ways, and I don't think there's a perfect way for any of it, unfortunately. But, but I, yeah, I do agree that if you don't know that Spider Man is a Marvel comic, you're not going to know where to start. <laughs> but also, as well, I think if you. So I think with Marvel and DC, I think they're, they're this sort of take them out of the picture for a second because at the end of the day it's Marvel and DC and nowadays with the films most people could walk into a comic shop and and look at look at the Marvel section and go oh I like the Deadpool film there's a Deadpool comic I think then they'd struggle because then they'd realize that it's like (laughs) like a shit there's 18 Deadpool (laughs) (laughs) yeah do you know what I mean it's like that's when you're fucked it's like oh shit there's how many different Batmans and he's doing this and he's doing that oh crap you know but my thing is, like with the indie stuff, if you've got those companies, that's where people start to struggle. Whereas I, I, I still think about the bookshop format, and I still think when I go into a bookshop, I don't. Most of the time, I go into bookshop, I don't know what book I'm going to buy. You know, um, yeah. I go into bookshop and I go in there with a kind of, I quite fancy a thriller, or I quite fancy a adventure, or a a spy novel or whatever and i can just go into a bookshop i can just go to that particular genre section and i can have a look through um and then you start to get to know you know different author names and obviously you then follow that author and stuff and but i just i just think for the the lay person coming into comics it, it's quite an it can be quite an impenetrable yeah to get into i think once you're in you're all right but and you've read some, got some comics on the belt, you know, a few names, but I, I still sometimes think part of the reason I didn't get into sports as a kid was because I didn't know any of the teams and I didn't know any of the players. So whenever my brothers would talk about the teams and the players, I would just be lost. Yeah, exactly the same. Um, and from like some Man United players, because both my dad and brother talked about it so much that you pick up odd names, but yeah, yeah. I couldn't hold my own outside of the house. No. No, I always used to do this thing. I'll just walk in whenever they're watching football and just go, oh, they should have played the sweeper system and then just walk back out because that was all I had. See, um, my go-to line now whenever I'm asked anything about a sport is I don't understand cricket and just walk off. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's got me out of many an awkward But But I, I found certainly um, having done, you know, Geek Syndicate for as long as we've done it. I mean, this this month we would have been doing it for thirty years. Um, so you kind of feel like by now you should be like I should be like my brothers, but for comics I should be able to be there quoting names and but and I still am that guy. I'm still that geek. He's still kind of like who's doing what and what title and, and who what inkers that and what you know yeah. No, you know, I still struggle with the names of people. There's 
obviously ones that you sort of had an impact on you that you grew up with or whatever. Yes. But... Yeah, yeah. And 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 even now, there's people that I know, and some of them are people that I know through the you know I've got to know through their work and and stuff like that. Um, but in general, I'm awful at that and following the you know. I guess the state of the union, the state of the comic industry. Sometimes I'm 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 rubbish at that. And where are we in things? Um, but I, yeah, I do. I I really do think that um, we need to be looking more at how do we get new people in, um, because they're out there. I think so I've I've spoken to some people that have gone, oh yeah, but no one wants to read comics anymore. And I'm like, no, I don't. I don't. Yeah, no, I disagree with that. I'd say for every Marvel film, you pick up a few. I mean, it's a minority, but you will pick up a few new readers. Because it's it's how I got into comics, was through sort of Tim Burton's Batman, the Christopher Reeve Superman films. Mm. And then I got caught in that early 90s perfect storm of the death of Superman, or the return of Superman, Lois and Clark starting on telly, and um, the Dirt Mags radio programs of um, Superman and Batman and that. And was just... there, was, sorry, did, you said the radio. Were they the BBC ones? Yeah. <gasps> Finally, <laughs> I thought I was like one of five people, and three of those are dead, and one's in prison in Mexico <laughs> somewhere. That it's, I, I, oh, I've still, I don't, I don't have it anymore. But I had the um, Batman Nightfall one on tape. I bought oh, it cool. on tape. It was, I think, it was on like two tapes and stuff. And I had yeah. the Death Superman one, and. Until um, Batman the Animated Series came out, the, the, whoever it was, I don't know who he was, who did the voice for that Batman, I'm like, uh, that's Bob Sessions. Okay. I, that guy should have got a fucking Oscar, because that guy was Batman. Yeah. Um, there's well, I've a... always said the Superman one, that's oh, the voice yeah. I hear. So Laura Light King as Lois Lane, that's who I yeah. hear. Superman. And um, Stuart Milligan, who was in Jonathan Creek. Um, was he the guy who was the um he was the he, magician adam he was the magician yeah 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 he's who i hear when i'm reading superman was he the what was he doing superman's voice then yeah oh wow i didn't he realize was superman that. In that he was riddler in nightfall wow because uh, i've been trying for a while to write a book about it and i've spoken to dirt mags about it but with him being busy and just real life stuff getting in the way yeah it's, it's sort of never happened so far sort of trying to jump through the hurdles of being able to get permission to speak to people from DC who are involved. <laughs> I, I still think... I mean, I'm a massive radio drama fan. Um, well, I am, because I grew up in that age where you didn't have a telly in your room. Yeah, so it was yeah. whatever's on the radio and whatever you had to read. Yeah, to this day, every year, um, I re-listen to um, the BBC Lord of the Rings. Oh, cool. Um, which is now on... It's on Audible, so I got it on Audible this year, and um, listened to it. It's like thirteen hours of audio drama. Goodness, if you've never listened to that, it's. it's I had it on cassette years ago. It's one of the yeah. ones I got rid of. The only ones I kept were the Batman, Superman, Spider Man. Yeah, I remember the Lord because I had it on cassette. It was a big long box that yeah. I had with like gold tapes. And In fact, doing... I think I rented it from hired it from the library. Oh, I don't okay. think I actually owned it, which is probably why I've got it because I'd remember having a big box. Like that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, where's my? <laughs> um, but no, I remember. Yeah, I remember the the 
to Batman Nightfall being so good for me that it took me a couple of years before I actually got around to reading Nightfall because I just didn't think for me, and that sounds weird, I didn't think for me it was going to live up to the audio drama. The I had that with the so Superman good. one, not the death of Superman, but the adventure of Superman they did before where they did oh, John Byrne's six-part series and yeah, then some of the ones that came good. after. And then when I read the comics of those, I was like, oh, they're a bit different. To... Mm. So I'd read Man of Steel, so I knew all that. Yeah. But then like the stuff with Metallo and that is different in the comic to how they did it in the radio. Yeah. I was like, oh, that's kind of disappointing. I like the radio one. <laughs> Made me want to get. I was trying to get. I was trying to get hold of Nightfall the other day. I was thinking about it. It just popped into my head, and I can't. I couldn't find it anywhere. I think you can get it on CD, but it's not widely available. So it's finding yeah. sort of secondhand. But they've changed it slightly from the CD from where it was on the cassette. Okay. So because I knew the cassette off by heart. Yeah. It throws me out of it a little bit. Listen to the CD. <laughs> I had to buy see, a tape player so I could listen to the tape. <laughs> see if I can remember now, because there's a cause it's completely off topic with comics. Um, but I remember there's a so there's two there's two sequences in Nightfall that I remember vividly. There's um, I know three sequences. It, it opens with him like, and he's over Gotham City, and he gives his whole kind of um, yeah, he's just. Chase down a mugger, hasn't he? Yeah, yeah. And he gives his prologue. Let me tell you a few things about Gotham Gotham, City. Yeah, yeah. It's the largest, blah, blah, blah. And he goes on. And then, so it always keeps coming back to him looking over Gotham City. And then you get the, after he's had his back broken and he's trying to, like, get back to being Batman. And he's like, just throw the grapnel out. Throw the string out across the city and I'll I'll be okay. And he can't do it. I said, I'll be a creature of the night once more. Yeah. And then you get that scene where he's like, yeah, he's 500, 500 feet above the city, my cow, my true face, back where it belongs. The batter like the batter and snakes out across the city and I'm a creature that just nails it. He just nails Batman. Yeah. He doesn't do any and I like the um Christopher Nolan film, but he doesn't need to do any kind of like grumbly on Batman low voice. He just he just nails Batman Bruce Wayne. He's got that perfect balance between what Batman of the comic should be and what a radio Batman should be. Yeah, so it's just cheesy enough to be a radio Batman. I mean yeah. this with the utmost respect. Yeah, it's just cheesy enough to be a radio Batman, but grounded enough in the comics that you're like, yeah. that is what Batman sounds like. Yeah, and it's the same with the animated series. You got that voice spot on for what the perfect balance between the two. Well, weirdly, the voice in the animated series sounds quite similar to the voice on the on the radio drama. There's not yeah. a lot of difference, and the Bruce Wayne Batman side of things is. Bruce Wayne's voice is just a little bit a touch softer. Yeah. That's probably it, you know. But when he's Batman, it's just, you get a sense of Bruce, and I think that's what's good, is you get a sense that Bruce Wayne is the um, is the mask, and Batman yeah. is the true, as you said, it's the true face, you know. So that's why, he, as Batman, he's talking normally. As Bruce Wayne, he's kind of putting on a bit of a voice. Um, as opposed to the Nolan films, where he just feels like he's got a permanent sore throat. Which he would yeah. do, really, talking like that. Jesus. Uh, <laughs> uh, but no, you know, and uh, I just sort of coming back to sort of the, the why comics is for me originally, um, I actually wanted to be a, um, not even, a, even though I'm a, a writer now, um, I wanted to be a, a comic artist because um, I love drawing. I used to love drawing as a kid. Yeah. And, Sort of going back to the Tintins, I used to get the Tintin books and then draw, um, draw the characters and stuff. Mainly as well because they were quite 
I would say as well, a good little bit of advice, not that I'm an artist or anything, but I found it a really good place to start because it was quite simple lines. Yeah, definitely. Um, That's what I always liked about the 60s comics. Yeah. yeah. I used to copy those forever, just (laughs) perfecting that you know, barrel chest line across for the chest line kind of thing. Just that beautiful simplicity of it. Well, I remember you saying when you were talking to Vince, and I thought, yeah, I did that, where you would trace stuff. Yeah. And I used to do that all the time. And then it got to a stage where I started to try and draw my own stuff. And what I found yeah. was, and I keep meaning to do to because I've got, I've still got some of them down in the cellar. Um, and uh, I keep meaning to post them on Instagram just so people can point and jeer at me like a village idiot. Um, <laughs> thought he was going to be an artist, a fool. Uh, but yeah, I, whenever I couldn't do something, I just put clouds around it. <laughs> right? And you'll see, it's my go-to. I did like a Lois and Clark like from the TV series. Yeah. And there's a famous shot of, um, and it's Lois is behind Clark and she's pulling open the chest. Yeah. And I did that, but because I couldn't see the rest of their bodies and stuff, I just did clouds. <laughs> I can't draw legs, clouds, hands, clouds. See, hands and feet were always my problem. So if I could, like, you know, there's fire or there's smoke or <laughs> walking through water. Yeah, some some sort of special effect. For me, cloud, clouds were my CG. I mean, Liefeld's feet are spot on compared to mine when I was trying to draw. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I wasn't a pockets person, though. I wasn't like I couldn't even draw the legs, let alone put pockets on it. <laughs> <laughs> See, I love that Azrael Batman suit. So I had pockets on everything originally. Yeah. Wow. So how did he get through doors in that outfit? I know. Well, that's the thing in Nightfall, isn't it? At the end, where he's going through the cave, he's like, so yeah. making force him to take his armor off. Yeah. Yeah. That's an awesome sequence, days. Um, but yeah. So as I said, I, I wanted to be a, a comic artist. I did. Um. But back at school then, and again, we're talking 80s, um, anything like that was just shut down. Yeah. Um, You did fine art or it wasn't art. And I remember, and writing was much the same. Um, And I remember doing, um, it it must have been, I think it was Captain Merrick or something in in the art class. And I thought it was pretty good. You know, as a drawing, you know, just just the form it was, and I got and she ripped me to pieces because it wasn't fine art. Um, and then I went on this whole kind of crusade when they, they you know, when in art class they'd give you something to draw, so they'd yeah. give you like a bowl of fruit. So I'd do a bowl of fruit, but it'd be like Hulk holding it <laughs> and shit like that. I was always, I was just fucking about then after that, you know, uh, which which, which she hated. Um, and I, I did didn't do particularly well in my exams anyway. Um, and weirdly, my highest grade was was in art. Um, but there was no um, no encouragement of anything creative anyway. Um, but there was no path, you know. So when you think now, if you want to get into, so the difference now is if you want to get into comics now, um, you you just I think Vincent, you just do a comic. Yeah. You know, you just if you can draw, you draw, you write. We, we don't, you know, you don't even have to get, you don't have to get an inker or a pencil or whatever. If you've got a pencil and a pen and an idea, crack on. You know, when it What's comes it? to 
same as you i wanted to be working comics when i was a kid but like you say instantly shot down at school and Mm. just dc and marvel seemed a million miles away and even marvel uk being based in london seemed a million miles away yeah as a kid and just so impossible but yeah like you say i mean i turned 40 this year and it's the first time i've and you know this year was when i actually put pen to paper and forced myself to do two comics mm. purely for my own to prove my to myself that i couldn't do it kind of thing right <laughs> well, and for me i mean i turned i turned 50 this year um and um not that i'm trying to one-up you or anything but you know um <laughs> but i find you win yes <laughs> mic drop boom <laughs> but now i i never you know if all the things that i thought would come out of doing geek syndicate my 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 sole thing would have been i would i would reconnect with my best friend and we'd have a bit of a laugh that was yeah. it you know when i look at comic podcasts that that are either going now or starting up now or whatever their sort of um manifesto as you were is, is wildly different you know how are we going to get listeners how are we going to generate reviews you know are we going to get sponsors literally for us it was kind when of we like get the casper mattress <laughs> yeah 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 <laughs> yeah <laughs> literally for us it was kind of like um how are we going to keep in contact with each other you know this is this was a way for us to, to stay in contact and talk about the stuff that we were passionate about um and then it was kind of like no one's going to listen to us because there's no one out there to listen to us anyway um and then realizing that people were listening to you which is weird and yeah. then engaging with you which is weird um and then you know being and i'm not most with the exception of dave um most podcasters certainly comic podcasters are, are quite you know shy retiring types is why yeah. we do a podcast you know and um so I remember being that we were approached by um, Shane, who back then was running um, the Bix, which was Birmingham International Comic Show. I think it was. Yeah. Um, and he he'd listened to. We hadn't again. We hadn't realised that anyone was listening, let alone anyone who was involved with comic conventions. And um, he sort of said, um, "Would you guys be interested in you know doing a doing a live podcast panel?" And you got to remember, we were going to conventions. So I'd never done a. I, so when we started doing Geek Syndicate, I had never been to a comic convention. Right. And I was that sort of weird geek who thought he was a little bit cool. Uh, and <laughs> um, thought, well, no, I don't do that. I don't go to conventions. Well, I said, no, I'm not doing that. You know, and Dave was like, no, and David had been going to conventions. Like, no, just come to one. I was like, oh, I don't know. I, um, I don't really like people. So I don't see how this is going to work for me. So, But we went, and the first convention I went to was um, it was Bristol. And, you know, sadly, Bristol doesn't exist in, in that shape or form anymore. But they were some of the happiest times of my life. Not marrying my wife, obviously, if you're listening. Yeah. <laughs> lovely love you um but yeah you know they, they just you could put those in snow globe and just go and shake them every so often when you're sad 
those Bur- those um, Bristol conventions because I love Bristol. I only went to two. I went to two thousand and four and two thousand and five. I think it was ah just before my time then. Uh, yeah, and then um, I don't know why I just didn't go back. Right, <laughs> <laughs> you had your feel. I generally loved them. I think I just always seemed to keep missing them after that, or I was working the weekend that they fell on. Yeah. But I think the difference then with those, and, and maybe you'll agree, disagree, but I think the difference then with the conventions that were going on then compared to the conventions that, we got, that were going on now, A, you could count the conventions going on then on one hand. Yeah. Um, and B, everyone was there. Yeah. You know, not And by that, I don't mean everyone who's everyone, but everyone was there because there was only a handful of conventions. Everyone went to them. Whereas now... You've got. I, I generally have no idea how many conventions. Well, it's about one a weekend. Yeah, you know. Um, it's probably there's less comic focused ones than there were yeah. a couple of years ago. Yeah. But yeah, certainly does. the you know pop up in a leisure centre one weekend <laughs> one seems that, to be on the rise. I don't know what Telford Con or something. I don't know. I don't <laughs> know what, I just, genuinely, I don't know what they're about. Those ones and stars from Emmerdale. And I just don't understand. I don't understand. It's it's not my thing. As much as I enjoy film and TV stuff, I've got no real interest in meeting or overpriced queuing up to get a photo. Yeah, I mean, I like um, you know, I like meeting um, you know, people from shows and stuff that I like and things like that. And one of the things that um, it's a slight again, slight side segue, but one of the things I found when we were that I loved doing GS was um, wasn't necessarily talking to actors and actresses from shows, but talking to the creative teams. Yeah, who were much more and and you know top tip any podcasters out there far more easier to get on than the big name stars that you're looking for. Yeah, um, and also a lot more people like to listen to those episodes than the big name stars that you're looking for you know um i find them to be genuinely funnier as well and a bit more open just from the ones i've listened to i think because they've got less to lose maybe than a well robert downey jr has yeah but i think the other thing is as well it's like i used to do there used to be a um bbc show back in the day which was merlin yeah uh, which i loved and um we had the creative, the, the, the sort of one of the showrunners and one of the head writers, he used to come on um, before every season. Me and him would, would basically have a big conversation about it all and stuff. And I loved it because he's a, he's a creative person and he just wants to come on and talk about being creative. Yeah. You know, and I'm not saying your big names don't want to do that, but it's just, I think because they're so used to just talking to everyone and being asked the same questions over and over and over again, um, whereas the the people further down the production list, as it were, um, who really want to talk about what they've done, aren't getting that same opportunities. Yeah. Um and I find it's not the same in comics because obviously you've got a creative team and, you know, it's, for the most part, I know there's this whole writer, artist and all that, but I'm not going to get into that because <laughs> I'll get stoned. Um, but that's part, of the, that's part of the thing that I love about doing a comic podcast is talking to those people, even though I'm 
which is why you find I have spikes in interviews where suddenly I'll, I'll put out loads of interviews with people and then you won't hear more interviews from me for six months because I'm terrified of doing interviews. Um, I always really struggle with doing interviews with people um, until we get going and then I ask a few questions and then I tend to get into it, get into a bit of a run with them. Yeah. But most of the time, I'm daring headlights guy. So when you've got, you know, the head of a convention going back to 2000, and this is now, I'm talking about going back to 2006 now, I hadn't even done any of this stuff. And you've got a guy kind of saying to you, oh yeah, we want to, you know, get you to do a panel and it's going to be like, you know, um, Paul Cornell, Doug Braithwaite, Dave Gibbons. Well, you are. <laughs> <laughs> he, he, oh yeah, Mark, you know, and uh, Mark Buckingham. You what? <laughs> what? Yeah, and we're going to do it like in this sort of amphitheater place and it's going to have like 200 people there. You what? <laughs> you know, and I remember I almost being, you know, physically sick before we went on. Um, because I've never done anything like that before, you know. Whereas Dave is an actor, you know, and a thespian, and a yeah. big mouth, and a big mouth. He's been a big mouth since he was eleven years old. <laughs> so for him, it was water for ducks back for the most part. You just go on; it's a Dave Roadshow, you know. <laughs> Whereas I was like, oh Jesus, what have I let myself into, you know? But again, you you, you go and once you get going, you have a bit of a, you have a laugh and stuff like that, um, and that pretty much is typified sort of certainly comics podcasting but what i've seen is the growth of comic podcasts um in sort of 13 years we've been doing it is it's been ridiculous and now you've got a comic podcast for every facet of comics yeah which is which is fantastic you know um and but like i said again it's this weird position that i mean when i'm listening to a lot of these sort of podcast and when they're starting out and stuff and it is very much just sort of driven with you know how are we going to do this how are we going to get listeners how are we going to get you know sponsorship how are we going to get whatever um and i'm thinking jesus we're 13 years on and we still ain't got sponsors <laughs> uh, we did that for a little while and then we kind of tailed off there was that story that went around a little while ago wasn't there about the couple in america that got together in a library to do a podcast and expected after two episodes that they'd start getting sponsorship and they could quit their jobs. And... Oh, I heard that. Yeah, it's just, I mean, the way, another thing is what really annoys me of, about podcasts is that now um, famous people have discovered podcasting and suddenly now, like, podcasting's a thing. Yeah. And suddenly I've got people sort of going, oh, yeah, you've you heard about po- you know, po- oh, podcasts, oh, I listen to them all the time, po- oh, they're great, oh, it's this new thing. I'm like, they've been going for like 15 years, dude. It's not a new thing. The only difference is now famous people are doing it, so now you know about it. Yeah. You know, um, don't get me wrong, you know, my wife's maybe listened to David Tennant podcast, which I did enjoy, um, but I don't enjoy bar one which is a which is a married couple that one i find quite funny um but a lot of them which are these big name people do not hold a candle to a lot of the comment podcasts that i listen to because i've found more invention more heart more passion um in those podcasts than 
these a lot of the other podcasts where a lot of them have their own producer and their own editor and their own tech team <laughs> you, you know whereas it's kind of like i had a usb mic for like five years which was dave's <laughs> which he brought which he brought up to northampton with him the first time we recorded gs um which we just got drunk and reviewed like star wars films and i don't remember most of that episode um and he left the usb mic here and i said oh yeah i'll drop it back to you mate no worries five years later um i still was i still had his mic he had to buy a new mic and that was what i was using and now i've got this like you know i've got my own tech set up now and all the rest of it um which i don't even use most of the time because i haven't quite figured it all out yet and i've been doing this for 13 fucking years you'd think i'd know by now See, um, I, I did all that. I looked at getting like the deck and everything, like you know, yeah, a cheapish no. one. And I was like, I had no idea what all those dials do, so I just get the mic. <laughs> I, I just, you know, with the whole, because I, as I said, I was listening to you guys talking. You were sort of said, you know, to be fair, you know, once you've got, if you've got a decent enough kit, you know, it doesn't matter. And it's not even about having a decent. It's not even about having a decent kit. It's about having a decent kit and knowing how to use said decent kit. Yeah. And if you don't know how to use de- said decent kit, just get yourself a decent. USB mic, or even what I'm using at the moment, which is just a headset with a mic on it. <laughs> just because I'm one of those people where you know I'm looking at the mic that I used to use, and it's a um, Samson Samson mic. Um, I, I, I don't get paid money every time I say Samson Samson Samson. Try um, and push that sponsorship deal. Yeah, you no know, Samson. If you're listening, <laughs> hook me up. You know my number. Um, but yeah. I've got a Samsung mic. It's on a flash stand. I've got a pop mic in front of it. My problem is whenever I record, I'm very animated. So I, I move about, my hands are waving as they're doing right now, which obviously no one can see. Um, so I then listen, I do all the editing for Geek Syndicate. Whatever Dave may say to anyone, he's lying. I do all the editing. Um, <laughs> and whenever I listen back to myself, um, I'm like, oh god, I sound a bit far away. And it's because I've been moving my fucking head all around the place, <laughs> you know. Which is why, or I've done this thing where I'm I'm turned my chair completely to the left hand side, and I'm talking to the wall, not even to the mic anymore. Which is why my voice has gone funny. Whereas at least with a headset, I can kind of move around as I sort of see fit. Yeah. Um, and obviously, some people are more forgiving than others in terms of sound quality, and some people are quite on it with that. But my thing is, if your quality is decent, I'll listen to you. But what keeps me coming back is the quality of your podcast. You know, what you're talking about, the passion of it. That's it. If you haven't got the passion for it, then it's... You know, the the banter. You know, I'm I'm, I'm a big fan of banter between people on podcasts and stuff you know and if you've got that i will forgive tech stuff because i know the issues that come with that and i know that editing is a nightmare and whatever and to set the record straight of set the record straight of what you guys were saying i am one of those guys who takes out most of the ears and arms um oh sorry yeah. uh, just because i err an arm a lot yeah, I do as well. I just there's so many for me that I. Just... Yeah, no. Well, the, the really, the really... Like I'd have to ring in sick, and like, I can't get in today. <laughs> I've got I've got two hundred to go. I've only done four. <laughs> Sorry. 
the, the weird thing is, like, and you must, I don't know what you used to. I mean, I use Audacity, Kelly. I've always yeah, used Audacity. Same. And um, I've been doing this so long now. I don't even think you have to be doing it for that long to really know. I know where my my earth and arms are on the wave. <laughs> I can look at a wave and I can go, yep, yeah, there's two arms. So most of the time, I'll do a little check to begin with, but most of the time I don't even listen. I just cut it because I know it is. That's like a ninja skill, that is. <laughs> uh, <laughs> well, as part of it, it comes. It just comes with doing it for a long time. And yeah, it's... <laughs> You know, um, but also, when it was me and Andy, I never used to edit at all. Yeah, so whenever we say it's going out, but then we started saying things that we were like, we should probably yeah. cut that out. And it's like shit. <laughs> the problem is, is that that doesn't work for me because, and I listened to what Vince was saying, like it. You know, we don't really say anything controversial, so we ain't got much cut. But that's great because we do. <laughs> and by controversial, I'm always saying something stupid, like oh, I can't fucking stand that dude. <laughs> Oh, but cut that. <laughs> you know, or, or sometimes we are just overly. Because um, uh, I, I think we're at a place with comics podcasting um, where I feel we do need to be more positive. Yes. Because, you know, online is such a. I quite like the term tire fire that was used. Yeah. Um, but shitstorm works equally well. Yeah. Um, and, Plus, the um, also covers it. Yeah, or you know, <laughs> tires on fire, shitstorm, clusterfucking. I don't know, but you know, it's a mess. And I feel that me spending. So when you go back, if people go back and listen to us when we first started, um, yeah, <laughs> we were just slating stuff. But part of that is that's kind of certainly it's a lot. It's, if you grew up in North London, that's that's just how it was. Yeah, that's how you that's how you talked about anything. <laughs> Do you, know what I mean? you know, you were always a heartbeat away from getting slagged off about something, you know, from your mates. So that just translated quite naturally into the podcast. So that wasn't about where I see podcasts now where they're doing it because that will get hits, that will get people listening because you're being. It's easier to kind of punch down. Do you know what I mean? That's yeah, that's it. it. That's what's we going to potentially grab you a headline, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. We were we were doing it because a we didn't know better, and b that's who we were. That's how we talk about stuff. Well, even yeah. if I was I was at school. That's how we talked, even about stuff we loved. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You know, but it, it was never malicious. It was all no. Of a... It's always a sort of, and, and I feel like that. I think if you go and listen to us and you you know and you've met us as well, you kind of know that there's, we don't mean anything. That's just how we are. Yeah. I mean, you know, we even managed to get sort of like child abuse into our review of like the the, the new Star Wars films, as in the episode one, two, and three. And you know, I still just have this whole kind of Padme Anakin thing. Something's not right age wise <laughs> there. You know what I mean? It just needs to be addressed. Um, but yeah. <laughs> But you, you, but you, you, it's it's the more kind of playful banner. But what we, for me, what I realised from the comic perspective, that what we were saying wasn't weren't wasn't necessarily that it was having an impact, but people were listening. Was we'd review the comic, and um, he won't mind me saying this actually because he did. it's Falling Sky, which was by Ben Dick Ben Dixon, right. 
Dickinson. And we'd reviewed it and we really enjoyed the comic and we'd sort of said, oh, you know, um, the art didn't necessarily work with work for us and, and stuff like that. And, you know, if he was to do more, you know, maybe maybe look at a different artist because that one didn't really work and whatever. Um, then we went to a convention. I can't remember what convention it was. And this guy came up to us and he's a big dude. This guy had come up to us, you know, and um, he said, uh, um, I'm Ben Dickinson. I was like, okay. <laughs> so I looked at Dave as if to sort of go, is this going to go, is this going to go, is this going to go wrong? You know? <laughs> <laughs> is this going to be a two-on-one situation? What's, what's happening? You know? Cause he, cause he Operation Human Shield. Yeah, because he literally <laughs> just walked up and was like, you know, yeah, I'm Ben Dickinson. And I was like, you reviewed my comic. I'm like, okay. You know? Which seems such a matter of fact thing to happen now to yeah. comic podcast, but then that was a rare, rare, rare. We had to spend ten minutes explaining to people what a podcast was. That was what we were dealing with, you know. Um, and then people just wouldn't. They just most comic people we talked to then just didn't want to know. If we'd say, "Oh, we want to talk to you about your comic for our podcast," about now, nah, I'm not interested, mate. I'd be like, oh, okay. Yeah, um, it's like being a Jehovah's Witness or something. Do you know what I mean? On a Saturday morning, you turn it. up and it's like, nah, man, I'm, nah, I'm busy. Um, but the so this guy come up, he said that and whatever, and he said, I want to show you something. And now, now I'm like Defcon four. <laughs> do you know what I mean? I'm like, what the what the fuck? So we followed him back to his desk and uh, or table um, to use the professional comic term and. He had a massive pull-up banner of his comic, and um, he had a quote from us. Um, you know, I can't remember what the quote was. Um, it wasn't like I think you should get another artist. You know, <laughs> but it was it was a quote. And um, what he told us was he was the artist. He was the writer and artist. He did the whole thing, which obviously told us two things. One, we should you know start reading credits on comics. <laughs> you know, it's a lesson learned. Um, and two, this could still go wrong because we've effectively told the guy who's drawing his own comic that maybe you should get someone else other than yourself. Um, and what he turned to us, he said, I really appreciated what you said because actually, you know, he said you were honest about it and you said it in a way and blah, blah, blah. And we had a long conversation. And now, you know, um, whenever I see Ben, we have a hug and a bit of a chat and stuff and whatever. And he's a, he's a good guy, you know. Um, but what that was, the, that was when I realised that people not only were listening, but were what we were saying was potentially impacting them. Yeah. You know, and that was when we started to really look quite, you know, think about what we said, certainly in terms of um, indie comics and stuff like that. Um, you know, we still saw DC and Marvel as a bit of people can come out for it, but we still saw DC and Marvel as a bit of fair game, you know, I mean, yeah. we'd always poke fun at And that's what we tended to do anyway with like the big shows as opposed to littler shows. We tend to poke fun at big, you know, big shows like Dot Two and stuff and like, you know, inconsistencies and whatever, because that's how we are. And that was that, you know, the one thing which hasn't changed in all the years we've done Geek Syndicate is it is still a conversation between me and my best mate. Yeah. You know, it's it's not a it's not a slick formatted show where there's you know I've been on I've guested on podcast before where I've been given a script like an actual you know and, and things like you know this this is how it's going to go down I'm like oh okay 
<laughs> so, you know, I was like, oh, okay, right, fine. You know, so we're, there is nothing. We literally have, I, whenever we record, I have no idea what comics Dave is going to tell me about and vice versa. Um, sometimes we might have a joint comic review, you know, um, but that's the beat of it because in my mind, it's still representing the phone calls we used to have way back when. Yeah, you know, and and I think the nicest thing someone said to us it was like, it's like sitting behind two guys having a really interesting conversation in the pub, um, which is quite nice. Which is what the best podcasts are. Uh, yeah, <laughs> and should uh, be. Yeah, yeah. Well, I just as I said, and I, I think that which is why um, I, I I love the fact that we were able to because we used to and we still do like we didn't start to host podcast on our feed so we had comic racks and we um and it's funny because we i heard a lot of people talk about um small press big mouth um which i'm sure by now you'd heard of from because vince was talking about them yeah um but i don't know i don't even know if Vince realized but they started that they were on they were on our feed they were a geek syndicate show mm-hmm. um and then they I'm trying to remember if it was one way or the other. It was either they no, they started out with us and then they kind of branched off to kind of do it do it for themselves sort of thing. But that's what we were doing. We used to do that. We would get um, people would because they people started to see that obviously we were doing the podcast and stuff, and people wanted to do podcasts and but didn't necessarily know what they needed to do or how they could do it or how do we even record? How do we edit? Blah, blah, blah. So what I was doing was, um, I was saying to some of them, we used to do a thing called listener of the month and people would come on and um, just be part of the podcast. And then some pe- some of those people I thought would be really good as podcasters. So I would sort of say to them, you should think about doing the podcast and stuff. Um, and then sometimes they would go in and do them. And some of those people are still doing podcasts now. But the um, Lee and uh, Stacey were doing Small Press Big Mouth. Um, and they did a pilot episode. And nine times out of ten, I, I would edit the first episode for a, for a new podcast. So they didn't have to worry about it. I would edit it and then they could listen back and stuff. And then after that, they'd take the reins on themselves. Um, and, I, and and those guys were great. I used to, I loved that show. Um and I feel like that that was kind of us doing our bit, even though we weren't doing the show, but doing yeah. our bit for the indie scene. Even though we do talk indie comics on GS, but just not as much as certainly I would like to, which is why I'm quite glad now that we have another podcast where we kind of do that. Yeah. Um, but to be honest, there's there's so many podcasts which are doing that. I don't feel like, you know. It's not like I'm holding up the world if we're not talking about it. No one's going to know about these comics if we're not doing it. Because <laughs> there's hundreds of other people that are doing it. You know, which is which is great. But however, even with all those hundreds of podcasts, the the, the sheer weight of the the indie comic scene is it's immense. You know, yeah. the, the last time I went to um, Fort Bubble, um, I just couldn't get my head. I mean, I had a table there and stuff, but I, I just couldn't get my head around the amount of stuff and the and the the amount of variation. It's not even just the amount of stuff because people not in the know could expect to walk in there and say, all I'm going to see is capes and tights. But you can almost 
pick the people that have never been to that type of convention before. Because yeah. you see the looks on their faces like kids in candy store, you know. <laughs> going, what? What? There's a... What? There's a football comic? There's a this comic? There's a... What? You know, I still remember a guy, Dave came and dragged me over to see this guy and um, he, he'd made his comic was basically like a Batman utility belt. Oh, cool. And it was basically, it was a belt and it had different, and each pocket was like a different panel and a comic and stuff and he had like a CD with it and stuff like that. And um, it was one of the most inventive things I'd seen and every time I go to a convention you see this sort of stuff where people are just, you know, um, breaking boundaries you know, and, and doing stuff. And I always sort of thought this would be my only exposure to comics, you know, um, yeah. would be a guy who would, you know, sit once a week or nowadays once every so often, um, have a few drinks and talk about comics he likes, you know, and go to conventions and meet people and stuff like that. I never, ever thought I would end up having my own comics, um, let alone... You know, I think to date now we've got like uh, 13 one shots and three graphic novels. Um, you know, never, ever, ever. Um, because I was right. I, I, I write prose. You know? Yeah. Um, and um, one of the things I, and for me, as, a, as I suppose I bring a bit of a unique perspective on it, because as someone who writes prose, um, I what had happened was I'd been approached to someone wanting to adapt one of my um, one at the time I only had one um, wanting to adapt my novel as a as a comic, you know, um, and I was basically where do I sign? Who do I kill? <laughs> um, and and then it was just weird, fantastic experience. Um, having to sort of collaborate with, with a creative team, which as a writer, I'd never had to do before. You know, part of being, part of one of the things I, I loved about being a writer was, was just me. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Um, well, it was always right, kind of the great thing about reading comics, wasn't it? It was just you. <laughs> yeah. You know, and it was rise or fall. It's just, it's, it's on me, you know? And um, now I'm, I'm working with, you know, um, a, a, a writer who's adapting my writing um you know um a letterer you know a colorist um and an artist all asking questions that i didn't necessarily know the answers to you know? <laughs> how do you how did you see this character looking well i don't know because i never thought i'd have to answer that question let me go away and think about it <laughs> and come back but then you know that day and that day I saw the first character sketches because they had to, you know, I, I had approval for everything. So they would send me the, the sketches of these characters. And you got to remember, these characters have only ever existed in my head. Yeah. And I only ever expected that was where they would always live. Um, and it's something that has never, ever gotten old in all the comics that have come after that where, you know, because... I don't know how much you know about what I, what what else I do, um, and I don't really want to turn it into a a massive, you know, plug. Look at me. So I would just say, there no, there are away, com- man. 
Yeah, well, 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 I always struggle with with then getting into talking about that sort of stuff. I'll I'll try to keep it brief for people. <laughs> so um, I'm so I've written two novels. It's supposed to be a trilogy. It will be eventually. Um, <laughs> and out of that have come, like I said, these uh, uh, immense number of comics um, featuring some of the the best and brightest uh, indie people. You know, like you know, Cytoton, um, Nick Wilkinson, um, Corey Bravinston, um, Connor Boyle, Lizzie Boyle. Um, I could go on, but I won't. Um, and um, the remit that they got, and this is where I would say where it's different. So the whole unit, the whole world is called Unseen Shadows. So, but the difference between this is a you don't really see a lot of comics that are going hand in hand with books. So these aren't, these aren't adaptations of the books because what happened was the adaptation fell apart. The company went bust. And, um, but I had the creative team in place. So we were able to get funding. And back then there was no Kickstarter yeah. um, or anything like that. So I, I, I used a few connections. I was able to get, um, some ads in there from the 2000 AD guys, um, the printer that we had at the time and a few other people. And then I basically, I had a page on the comic and I had it split into little boxes. And what I said was people could just donate and they would then get their, um, get the ad space. And that kind of paid for that first print one. Yeah. Um, and so we did the first two issues and we quickly realized we weren't going to be able to do the whole thing. And what had happened was I got talking to one of the, uh, it was, she was involved sort of behind the scenes, which was Nick. And she had suggested to, you know, her partner, Sai, um, who loved the book, apparently, which I had no idea. Um, maybe he might be interested in writing a script of like one of the characters, you know, just as a, you know, like a one-off thing. And I was like, okay, I don't know how that would work. So we kind of talked about, about some ideas and it turned out that I had a, um, it was like a deleted scene from the book that I'd sort of taken out and I showed it to him and it was a character that he really liked as well who was in the book and he came up with the script for it. And because around the time a lot of people knew Sai um, and he sort of announced he was doing this, other people then approached me to say, you know, all oh, sides doing this, I'd be interested. Can I get involved? And all of the writers that approached me, I said, you have to go and read the book. And which was a weird situation because obviously the book's not short. <laughs> <laughs> so they were going, and I said, go and read the book. If you're still interested after you've read the book, then happy days, you know. And they were going off, and, and quite and thankfully, they came back and were like, yeah, yeah, that's great. So what I said to them was, they said, what do you want me to do? And I was like, I don't choose a character and then pitch me a story. So they were like, really? But it's your book. I'm like, yeah, I know. But, you know, you choose a character. So they would, each one of them, for the first anthology we did, which was called Tales of the Fallen, they each chose a character. And then we bounced around some ideas and stuff. And those stories were, um, most of them were set, in fact, I'm just thinking, yeah, they were all set before, um, the novel and but what i said to them was um everything that you do that i've agreed is canon to the world so these aren't these aren't just spin-offs you know these, these aren't yeah. like someone doing a fun star wars film these are actual this is part of the story 
you know. Um, and they were like, oh, okay. So they did all that and that went well. And then I'd started, I was in the planning process of the second novel. Um, and then we were still doing more comics and stuff. So what was happening was the comics that were coming was then informing the story that I was writing for the second book. So everything became entwined. Yeah. And what I've, the best way I describe it to people when I try to pitch it from a table perspective is the comics are like the Marvel solo films and the novels are the Avengers films. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. So that, that's kind of how we've sort of done it. So I'm now in this sort of weird situation where I've suddenly got all these comics with all characters from my books and stuff. And it's phenomenal. It's an absolutely phenomenal thing. And I'd never expected to be going to conventions and being on the other side of the table. Yeah. Um, and what you realise, and certainly what I realised, and been prepared for, is fucking hard. <laughs> I've got nothing but respect for every single person who exhibits at a comic show because it is hard, hard work. Anyone who tells you it isn't hard work, it's, it's no, it's hard work. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I think, you know, keep quoting him i think vince should pay me for every time i quote his name but uh i'm pretty sure if you say it one more time it'll appear yeah he will yeah like the candy man for hooking his hand or something um but you know and i've i've met vince at conventions and stuff and i love vince he's we always have a I always have a laugh whenever i see him at a convention which isn't nearly as often as i'd like to um and you are constant you're you're on yeah, you, you, you're just on, and you know I have a thing where I I try not to sit down. No, I don't. The first thing I do is the chair goes, so yeah. the temptation isn't even there. Yeah, you know the only time I will I tend to sit down is if I'm eating a bit of lunch, um, or or someone's actually you know wants to actually come and talk to me specifically about a comic or something like that. You know, yeah. we have a bit of conversation, but ninety five percent of the days that I'm there, I'm standing. Um, and that alone is tiring. You don't even yeah. realise just standing up is fucking tiring. <laughs> you know, and then it's the whole pitching, you know, and especially if you've got a kind of pitch in your head, you know, you might adapt it slightly, but effectively you're saying the same thing. Yeah, you know, you might reword you might reword it to whoever you're talking to, but you're saying the same thing over and over and over again, um, seven hours, you know, and every time you give that pitch, you have no idea how that's going to end. Yeah, yeah. It's... It's, yeah, I know what you mean. I mean, my thing is in my head. I'm like, you know, I'm like Don fucking Draper. I'm going to go in. I'm going to sell this thing. <laughs> And as soon as I'm in front of something, they're like, yeah, you might want to pick it up. I mean, yeah, it's, it's probably shit, to be honest. But there's better yeah. books over there. Yeah, no, and, the, and the, the, the weird thing, and we all do it. And the weird thing is, is um, people have come there to buy comics. Yeah. You know, they're, they're in there to buy, they're in there to look around and obviously to experience it. But they're also in there to buy, to, to, to pick up some stuff, you know. 
So it's not like you've just kidnapped them and you're you hold them in the basement and then you know you're just coming out every hour and giving them a pitch and if they don't buy something you're going to chop off a hand or do you know what I mean? <laughs> you know they're there because they want to be there, but and yet you just feel I, I do I always feel really awkward. Sometimes you have a little I think sometimes you have a bit of a flurry where you're on a bit of a roll. But then there's dead time, and then you you're able to then think about what you're doing. Oh fuck! And then someone suddenly comes up, and the worst, not the worst type. That's not true. Everyone that comes in is great, but it, it's, it's sometimes you get ones of people that come up and go, right, what's this about then? <laughs> yeah, they're and the it, ones I don't like. <laughs> and at that moment, so the last five people I, I've had. 10 minute conversations with and explain the world and how it hangs. Oh, wow, that's really interesting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, and some of them might have bought, some of them have gone, oh, you know, I've, I've, you know, it's my first trip around. That's, you know, you hear those lines, don't you? It's my first trip around the convention, you know, or, you know, I might check out to, okay, that's cool, that's fine, you know. And then someone comes over, right, what's this about? And I'm like, um, there's some things happen and, ooh, explosions and, ee stuff <laughs> you want to buy one <laughs> see i hate all that stuff i hate self-promoting yeah it's like one of the worst things about doing anything is doing the press release because it's walking that fine line between bigging it up enough that people get excited about it and not sounding like a dick yeah and, and my wife's the first one to read something and be like you sound like a bell end and it's, uh, yeah and the weird and i've had people say to me like you know you do a press release people say you've got to sell yourself more and i'm like well you know it's it's and then it's even, I mean, an even weirder situation because of GS, you know, I've got, the, you know, I have Twitter and we have a GS Facebook and we have this, that and the other. And we have, you know, and it's difficult because then it's like, where where's the line? Yeah. Because obviously people listen to Geek Syndicate and we talk very openly about our own lives and the ups and downs of our lives that we've had and we get into it, you know. So obviously my creative side is a huge part of my, it's, it is my life, you know? Um, so obviously we talk about those things quite a lot, but I have to be really careful that it then doesn't turn into, and by the way, if you enjoyed what I've been talking about, Geeks Syndicate, <laughs> you can pick up my comic at www. Do you know what I mean? It's, it's, you don't want to turn your podcast into like basically a marketing platform for what you do. And, and, it. and it's a really, really fine line to, to tread. And I know there are times I've fallen off that line. Um, but I think just being aware of it sometimes is, is half the battle. Yeah. Well, I mean, there's nothing worse than really getting into a podcast and then it breaks for an advert, <laughs> even for not uh, even selling your own thing. <laughs> What is that? What is that about? I can't. I mean, because we're on um, Libsyn and they give you the option to kind of have um, ads if you want ads, and we've we've never done ads. And when, when we we went for a little spate of doing sponsorship, but whenever we did a sponsorship, we always said we'd do it in our way. Yeah, and that you know, and that tended to work a bit better than just a sort of you know prescripted sort of preamble. Um. But I've listened to some newer podcasts now where I've been listening and go, hey, this is a pretty good show, you know. Yeah, I'm quite really enjoying it. And all of a sudden, it will suddenly go, hey, do you like to have your windows clean? Hey, well, I'm ABC cleaning. I can come around. <laughs> like, what the fuck? <laughs> what? <laughs> so, 
And then he, it, it gets past, and then it doesn't even... There isn't even a segue. He didn't just go straight back to the podcast. They just carry on talking about whatever comic they're reviewing. I'm like, oh, okay, right. And you sort of settle down a little bit, and I'm like, okay. Okay, maybe. And then it goes on for another t- And then it happens again. And I'm just, <laughs> and that's when I'm like, no, I'm out. I can't. I can't do it. I just, I can't do it. So like that comic sounded good. I better write the name then. ABC Windows. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, I just, I don't mind sponsorship because at the end of the day, I, I understand. Well, yeah, and that. if it keeps people doing what they do. Exactly, exactly. You know, but when you come on at the, um, you know, you come in at the start of your podcast and you're like, yep, yeah, we're blah blah, like the awesome comic guys do. You know, you come on, yep, yeah, we're sponsored by a comic house, blah blah blah. This is what they're about. Yep, yeah, cool. Here's where you find them. Let's crack on. You know, end of the show. Yeah, it was possible. I have absolutely no problem with that because you're 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 at the intro, you're at the outro. I know we're, I know what to expect, but this random shotgun advertising stuff just uh, I'll stop it. Yeah, I suppose it's true to comics in some ways. We just be into a story, and then it's like you know, Batman says you should drink milk. Like, I wouldn't mind so much if it was one of them, like, you know, um, Batman and Robin chasing down Twinkies or whatever he yeah. <laughs> Shit like that. I, that would be quite cool. If someone was doing that, I'd quite like that. Um, I always remember there was, um, it was a, I think it was a Doc Savage comic. And there was an advert at the back where it's like, you can train to be Doc Savage if you send off for this, like, 20, 24-week program. <laughs> you, know, you could be Doc Savage. And I was like, and I genuinely considered it, going like, whoa, actually... No, I have I have had a bit of a hankering to save the world and to develop myself. It just seems like a good way to do that. And I'd reason it out, you know. And I was in, you know, and I was in my twenties. Do you know what I mean? I was like, well, oh, you know, it's maybe. And the comic was from the seventies, so it was so it was a fairly good bet that that program was defunct now. You're like ringing up the number, going, "Do these prices still apply?" <laughs> yeah, yeah, do you know what I mean? <laughs> I'm interested in the, you know, oh, I would have loved it if it was. I'll tell you, I would have given it a go. <laughs> <laughs> Army of Doc Savages running around. Oh, I'll tell you. Uh, I, used to, I think um, Marvel did a Doc Savage comic. Um, and it, no one talks about it. And it was great. And since then, they've tried to do, they've tried to relaunch Doc Savage a number of times. We've, we've, I think Dynamite Comics did a, a, a few Doc Savage um, titles, which were brilliant, actually, really good, really captured him. Yeah. Um, but the Marvel one, which I'm assuming will probably reprint, I'm guessing, um, uh, was really good. And every, and every comic used to end, and they'd have the Doc Savage oath at, on the um, sort of back inside cover. Nice. Um, do you know the Doc Savage Oath? I don't. I, Doc Savage is one of those ones that I'm passingly aware of, but I've never actually sat down and read anything properly. Would you like to know the Doc Savage Oath? Well, obviously. <laughs> I'm going to try and see if I can remember that. So I think it went, they let me strive every moment of my life to make myself better and better to the best of my abilities so that all may profit by it. Let me think of the right and lend my assistance to all who may need it for no regard for anything but justice. Let me take what comes with a smile about loss of courage. Let me be considerate to my friends, my fellow citizens and my country and everything I say and do. Let me do right to all and right no man. 
Nice. I did try to get in the t-shirt, but it's too expensive. <laughs> so you didn't need to go on that course. Well, to be honest, I was more <laughs> interested in the whole kind of like, you know, I could learn to sort of dodge bullets and shit like that. Then, you know, <laughs> it's a shitty quote that I probably don't use. <laughs> it's not really something you kind of impress them. Hey, everyone, you wouldn't know the Doc Savage Elf because I do. Yeah, that's really a way to like, make new friends, is it? It's like, it's like Barry's at the party tonight. It's like, oh, he's not going to do the Doc Savage thing, is he? He's going to do it again. Any... Oh, fucking hell. Here we go. Jesus. <laughs> I had something to say about comics. Um, why comics? Um, that one of the things I was going to say actually was um, one of the things that drives me to despair about um, and it is DC and Marvel is this incessant need for event comics Yeah, and the reason I say this is because um, one of the comics my brother got and it was one of the runs he actually managed to get all of um, it was my first experience of an event comic and this was you can get it i think you can get it now as an omnibus now or something i don't know and it was the um it was the avengers and they teamed up with the defenders now the defenders are not to be confused with the netflix show defenders of which none of the characters although they they did pop up in the Defenders comic but the Defenders comic that my brother used to get because I used to read those it was um, it was run by Doctor Strange I was going to say yeah it it had Valkyrie in it Um, Submarine used to pop up every so often and just kick off for no particular reason (laughs) Um, Hulk um, Nighthawk was in it as well? Yeah, Nighthawk. Who had the his outfit was awful. That's why I was, <laughs> that was always my takeaway was that his outfit was awful and literally his skill set was he had a jetpack underneath his wings. I'm like, I don't think you really need to like hide your jetpack, mate, because you, your outfit's ridiculous enough as it is. Why do you need to just... And let's be honest, people are going to see the, the jets coming out. So you're trying to convince people that you can fly, but it's not happening. <laughs> It's just, I just, his whole, his whole thing just made no sense to me. I just made no. Anyway, you know, what are you bringing to the? I'm gonna go on a rant now. What are you bringing to the table? You got Doctor Strange, Master Mister Arts. You got Submariner who had his own continent and also was super strong. You had Hulk, and you had Valkyrie, and you had a dude who dressed up like a bird. You had a jetpack underneath his wings. It just. So it wasn't even Falcon. Do you know what I mean? It was just. Yeah, I mean, at least the Falcon looked cool. You know, it's see if you've never seen what Hawkeye looks like. It wasn't Hawkeye. Did it say Hawkeye? No, it was Hawkeye. No, it's um. Oh, was it? It was Nighthawk, something like that. Nighthawk, something like that. Yeah. If you've never seen what now, go and Google it afterwards. People listening, and you'll see what I mean. Tell it awful. Anyway, (laughs) um, yeah, but they had this. It was a twelve issue. Um series which led up to the event but the difference being was you didn't realise it was leading up to the event and what it was is they were looking for pieces of this I think it was like a a horn or something and, and it was split into like 12 pieces or whatever scattered around the world and it was it was Loki and Dumanu were, were the, the bad guys and what they had done was they tricked 
the Avengers and the Defenders into thinking each other were evil, and they were after the I. They were, I think it was called the Eye or something, and they were after it for the, their, their own reasons, basically. So what you got was every issue was a fight between a defender and the and an Avenger, right? And I remember the the last issue before it properly kicked off was Hulk um, versus. Oh no, no, no! It was um, uh, four. Four was four was on it, or was it? Was it four? It was. Hang on, I need to check this. this is important. <laughs> I know it was. I, I'm getting confused with some Mariner, but it wasn't. Images. <laughs> uh, oh, I see. I hate now when I search for things, and then all I see is the films. I don't want to fucking see. The yeah, films. no, I keep getting that. <laughs> I want to see the comics. <laughs> no, no, no. It was, it was Hulk. It was Thor and Hulk. Um, and um. I never, I generally, I say I never forget it. I've just forgotten who was fighting. But um, what had happened in between is he had Hulk and Thor were fighting. And in the background, Doctor Strange and Captain America had figured out they were being played. And they got all the defenders and Avengers together in a room to kind of like go, what the fuck's going on? And they figured it all out. And they're all chatting around. And this is brilliant kind of double page spread of them all. These characters that I've grown up with all in the same room. I'd never seen it before. Yeah, Doctor Strange chatting with Captain America. I'm like, I'm this, my, my, my mind is exploding. Whereas now it's time a dozen. Yeah. Like, then I was like, what the heck's going on? And there's this moment where someone says, where's, where's Hulk? And then someone else goes, where's four? And then Dot Strange, like, we've left our two, each side has left their most powerful person on the field whilst they've been chatting, having fucking tea and cakes. And they're like, oh, fuck. We've let, and, they, and they basically go to get them. And there's a page where you've got Hulk and you've got four, and they're both kind of holding each other. It's a really famous sort of comic page. And I remember, and there's a little caption where it actually tells you to go out and buy another comic. Go out and buy another copy. Um, I can't. It might be. Might be another one. I'm not sure. But because it, it says you might want to take. Because back then it would always say you might want to take this one out, kids, and put it on your wall. So, but to do that, go and buy yourself another copy first. So it's great marketing. Sit in the old say. editor's box. Yeah, yeah. yeah that's yeah. what you used to I, get, wasn't saying. it? It's like, you know, if you want to know what's going on here, you need to read this issue, Ed. Because yeah. for years I was like, who the fuck is Ed? <laughs> <laughs> He's in all these books. Yeah. Um, and it's basically just the two of them just standing and then the defenders and I'm looking at the panel now and it's literally got the defenders and the Avengers rock up and you've got Black Panther you've got Vision you've got Doc Strange Scarlet Witch Submariner Captain America all there and this is back when like Doctor Strange run the show you know Cap was background you know what I mean yeah. um, and they teamed up and then it went on to this big event of them going to like another dimension to take on sort of Loki and stuff like that and it just blew my mind um, and the problem that we have now is they're trying to blow your mind every other month and it just it, it doesn't work you can't sustain that in that way and that's it and it's like you know who can we kill to shock you and it's like yeah. we've killed everybody now yeah <laughs> and, and the it's thing like is, with Batman it's like we're going to kill Robin it's like we've killed three already yeah. I mean, they even make <laughs> jokes I mean they even make jokes about it now in their comics 
It's just careless by this point. <laughs> yeah, you know, can't even. Where's he rubbing? Oh, we lost him again. You know, um, but that that comic I've just described, that event comic, I'm fairly certain I could be wrong um, that no one died in it. No one died in it, but it was it was epic to the level yeah that I hadn't seen before. Um, until you know the days of. Yeah, um, I think the only the next time my mind was blown like that, I think, was when I started to watch the X Men cartoons. Yeah, uh, and and some and I think it's when they did the Dark Phoenix saga. Yeah, um, and there's a bit where she does something, and it kind of they kind of go around the world, and you see different heroes doing shit around the world. I think it was the first time I saw like Spider Man in X in an X Men, and he was just there doing stuff. I was like, what? <laughs> um, that's it, that's, those shows crossed over, didn't they? Quite yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think, you know, that's when certainly your mainstream comics, anyway, is at its best when you you drip feed that kind of epicness. You know, it's just, just every week nonsense. It just doesn't that's work. It. And it's the fact you need to buy like 40 comics now oh. to get the full story, plus the miniseries that are supplemental to it. And... I think from, you know, one of the things I've tried to do once in Shadows is to say to you, it doesn't always, you know, we've had successes with it, but I always say to people, um, the comics are standalone. Yeah. And, and and by that, I mean, obviously, if you have read the novels, um, you'll get more out of those comics because you'll know the, the characters and the context and stuff like that. But in terms of a story, of a begin- it has a beginning, middle and end. Yeah. Not beginning, middle, and did you read da-da-da-da-da-da-da? Now you have to go and read those, then we'll come back and do the end. You know, or, or even worse, you know, you get to the middle and say, like, oh, no, it ends over there somewhere in issue whatever. Um, and sometimes the worst thing you get is when you, when we used to review some of these and we we're sort of guys, you know, the, we'd always talk about them, we'd always review just the main one. And then sometimes someone would sort of say, oh, yeah, but that gets, you know, if you've read Road to Infinity War Saga, whatever the hell it is, um, (laughs) you know, if you read issue, you know, whatever, whatever, Kingpin's Gambit, um, that explains everything. I'm like, okay, but A, how would I know that? Because there's no pointers in the actual comic. Because at least back in the day, there'd be little asterisks. Yeah you know in the box that would go you know read issued you know which explains that bit so at least you had a bit of a point and nowadays you don't even really get that you just get that big list of titles to say go read all of these you know, so here's your handy checklist yeah yeah here's your checklist well it's not really handy <laughs> and it's quite expensive <laughs> you know because because the problem is is at least then when we were kids you kind of pretty much had Marvel and DC were kind of the only games in town with your 2000 AD. That was pretty much it for me. Yeah. Um, so, whereas now, it's, it's just ridiculous the amount of content that's out there. So, and I read, what I tend to do with, with DC and Marvel is I just tend to read um, a complete story. Whether that's a complete trade or whatever like the other day i read mr miracle and i read division you know because they were complete stuff yeah um rather than just trying to do a 
day in day out run um because i have so much other stuff that i want to read um then you throw in it's outside of comics but you throw in the explosion of content on tv as well you've got so much stuff competing for your free time um plus i have a day job which i didn't really have when i was a kid yeah that's it, and that's exhausting. <laughs> yeah, I could quit my job and just sit in my underpants reading comics all day. Then it's this happy day, isn't it? But that's not really going to happen. <laughs> well, I'm going to have the best retirement. The amount of reading stuff I've got piled up waiting for me. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm pretty I'm, sure I'll die before I read it all. But I'm quite happy to be wheeled into a nursing home at 51 because it's <laughs> just it's just go and visit me. I'll just be in the, sitting by a window, just like on my tablet, just reading. <laughs> just slide food under the door. <laughs> yeah. It's fine. It's all good. <laughs> but, but yeah, no, I mean, I know what you mean. I've been saying for a while, I generally think that the best thing DC, Marvel and all those could do is go back to the like four to six issue mini series arcs and standalone yeah. issues. Start getting people back on board again with standalone issues so they don't have to feel like, fuck, this is like part 40 of a 60 part multi-crossover. <laughs> yeah. I'll leave Batman this month. <laughs> and then I think the other thing is as well is Again, it's going back to that, making it really um, difficult for new people to come in. Because I think if someone sort of came up to me and I said, oh, I want to get into comics, what do I read? Um, I mean, to be fair, I tend to have an answer for that. When people do come up to me, I tend to say, um, if they're a book reader, I tend to say, what books are they reading? And I try to go off that. Yeah. Because that, that at least will give me genres to, to work with, you know? Um, but you know, if someone sort of came up to, oh, I want to get into DC, I want to get into Marvel, where should I start? I'm like, wow. You know, <laughs> where's the beginning? Around <laughs> 1960. <laughs> yeah, Joey. It's like, I, I have no, I could, you know, recommend some stories to read that I enjoyed. Um, also, when you're recommending things to like completely new people that are coming into the world of comics, don't, don't say mouse and um, Watchmen. No, you know, don't, don't, don't do that. You know, <laughs> unless, unless you're really confident that that person's going to enjoy the comic. You know, it just get an idea of what they're into and what, what you know, the stuff that they'd like. Yeah, recommend off the back of that. You know, um, I remember... always think you're better going for a more accessible Batman title than being like, yeah, get the Dark Knight Returns. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like, yeah. Oh, you like Batman? Read this story where Batman is nothing like the Batman you know. <laughs> yeah, and then he, you know, and then he he almost kills his his best mate. <laughs> you know, um, but we did a little um, experiment years ago with Dave's um, flatmate who wasn't a geek, didn't read comics, and we would talk to him about the stuff that he was into and then we would recommend a comic then he would go away read the comic and then we would discuss it with him you know what he thought and blah blah and again this was a guy i hadn't read comics before and i remember one of the things that he was saying that he, you know he said that he was quite interested in like superhero stuff but he really he really liked um crime stuff yeah like procedural cop shows and stuff like that so i recommended powers to him yeah um, and he loved it you know, because this is what he said. Yeah, I love it because it's got the superhero stuff in it, but it's basically a procedural cop show. 
Um, and I, yeah, and then I said, well, if you like that and you want it straight up procedure, I said, let me hook you up. And I gave him Gotham Central. And then he was like, yeah, pig and shit. Yeah. I loved Gotham Central. Oh, Gotham Central. So... I got so excited when they first announced Gotham as a TV series. No, I know. Didn't we all? Because originally that's what it was going to be. Cause... I know. And then I don't know whether it was that Kevin Smith episode where he just talked about that. You know, seeing Bruce Wayne as a kid, and it just became Smallville, but with a younger Bruce Wayne. Oh, Jesus! You know, my my thing with those sorts of things is like, and I've heard quite good things about Krypton, but I've not, I've only seen about two episodes of it. But you know, but my things about stuff like that is, I want to see. You know, my answer to like Gotham, and I I watched Gotham; it's all right. You know, um, and Smallville's like, I want to see Batman. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? It's like, I don't... Yeah, but you find out how Bruce Wayne... But he's like four. Yeah. I want to see Batman. Or give me a Bruce Wayne TV series where he's made... He's already made a decision to be Batman and he's travelling around the world training to be Batman. Give me that as a TV series where you kind of did... You kind of did that with Arrow. That, that ship's kind of sailed a little bit, but yeah. you know, give me that. But give me... yeah, Arrow is blatantly we want to make a Batman series, but we're not yeah. allowed because they're making the film. So yeah, yeah. So we we'll just we'll just nick a character. So, we'll, just... so we'll give him a butler, but we'll call him Diggle, and he wants his <laughs> yeah, butler. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> sure. so we'll give him his own version yeah. of Oracle, yeah. and his mum's like Aunt Harriet. Yeah, but you know, but when Arrow first started, Arrow was I loved it. You know, Arrow was like, great. This is this is what I want. You know. Um, and Flash was perfect. That first series of Flash yeah. was oh. perfect. And yeah. then it just disappeared up its own ass yeah. so fucking quickly. I'm not, I, I don't know if it's... I mean, I'm all in for the... Um, I've said all of this, and now I'm all in for the Crisis on Infinite Earths sort of crossover stuff, because I've seen some of the photos of the yeah. who they've got in, and I'm like, you know what? I said this to Dave, this is either going to be a train wreck, or it's going to be like the most glorious thing I've ever seen on TV. It's going to be that weird thing, I think, where you're like, oh, cool, they've got the small phone people, and it's like, blink, they're gone. Yeah, like, I, you know they'll have something substantial, but it'll be so small. It's like when they did the last one and they brought back John Wesley Ship as the Night is Flash. Such a waste of a character. And I was like, oh, that's going to be so good, and it's like, oh, yeah, I'm dead. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I know. Like, I mean, I, all right, he's I, dead. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I know he's. I know he's the Flash, but I mean, he's taking the piss. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> Literally, and there's even a bit at the end where he kind of he, he, they go off to face the monitor dude, and Flash is like, you know, you won't do to this world what you've done to our world, and he runs to him like, whoop. He just he just runs into a portal. I'm like, oh, okay, that's that then. Like, Fuck you. Know. Like, Yay! Yeah, you go back to your '90s cornered universe. We don't need you anymore. You know, and it's just so yeah. You, so it's either going to be glorious, i.e., all of those characters I previously mentioned are going to be used and used to great effect, or it's going to be the tire fire, tire firing clusterfuck. Yeah. Um, where you're going to blink and they're gone. But I'm really hoping, I'm really hoping that it's, it's, that it's proper. I just feel that like, I just feel they've put so much effort into it. Yeah. I'm hoping it's like what the old Marvel annuals used to be. Cause that used to yeah. be like the big team up, wasn't it? Is that once a year they do an annual. Yeah. That sort of brought everybody together kind of thing. And that was your event. Just a one sixty four page or 48 page or whatever it was issue. I mean that 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 shot of Brandon Roof Roof as um, Kingdom Come Superman. I mean, I'm, yeah. I'm, you know what I mean. I'm all in. Um, 
See, I was a big fan of his Superman, not so much the film. Right, his portrayal. Yeah, and I kind of thought if they'd have just let him be a bit more of his Superman instead of aping Christopher Reeve quite as much as he did. I think that the problem with the Superman films, not the Christopher Reeve ones, uh, well, <laughs> sliding scales and all that, yeah. um, but is he he did... He was a template, you know. He did yeah. such a phenomenal job as Superman. You know, he, he, whenever you think of Superman, you just think, oh, "I just think of Christopher Reeve." It's just, it's just boom, Christopher Reeve. Yeah. And um, I think when they got Brandon Roof, he who looked, it was like it's like they cloned Christopher Reeve. Yeah. So he wasn't exactly, he didn't exactly look like him, but he was just slightly different. So yeah, he had like, that essence of him, didn't he? That yeah. He, he was yeah. always up against it. From yeah. that point, <laughs> and his manner and the rest of it. But I think the problem was was instead of taking him and doing a a, a Superman movie, a new Superman movie, they basically took him and then did a Superman. It was a it was a reboot of Superman the movie. Yeah, it was, it was Superman three, wasn't it? it was... Yeah, yeah. And and you had okay, obviously now, um, you know he's um, disgraced and all that. But at the time. You had one of the best actors going that you cast as Lex Luthor, and then you just wasted him. Yeah, I mean, there's moments in that film that I genuinely love. The same yeah. plane bit I love, oh, the bit yeah, where he's just we... floating in space listening. Yeah, yeah. And then he bombs down. And I love bits of Kevin Spacey's Lex Luthor, like the whole, you know, go on, say it. It's like you'll never go in. No, the other things like Superman or Saving. Oh, yeah. Like, yeah. Wrong. yeah. It's like, that's what I wanted. Yeah. <laughs> Not this weird carrying on the Gene Hackman used car salesman thing. Well, from, yeah, I mean, to, to be honest, there was only, there was, there was two problems with, with that film, right? Oh, I feel can be drummed down to two problems. One, Super Sun, what the fuck? Yeah. Um, it's, it's that Kevin Smith thing, isn't it? Because of, of the kiss that made her forget. Yeah, you know, you, it's, 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 it's kind just, of like that awkward conversation with Superman. When did you rape me? Yeah, it's just, what, what the fuck? And so you've got that, and then you've got, um, and the and the Lex Luthor land scheme thing again. Yeah, were, it, in the first in the first one that worked. It was actually a good plan. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Second time around, I'm like that plan made no sense whatsoever. What's it? I'm going to build an inhospitable wasteland. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to build a shitty you dump. We couldn't build on. Yeah, and and then sell it to people. It looks like shit. <laughs> yeah, but I can craft my own weapons. Where? <laughs> so much had changed in Superman since Superman Two that yeah. to car- just blindly follow on from that film made no sense. Yeah, and then um, but like you said, I thought he was good. He was a good Clark Kent. He was a good Superman. He he looked the part. Um, and then we get to sort of where I get grief from people. Um. Because I enjoyed Man of Steel. I've said it. Monster. I know. I know. <laughs> I enjoyed it. It's, I'm out. I'm out. I've put it out. There now. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? I'm, I'm, I'm owning it. You know. Uh, I did. I I enjoyed Man of Steel. Um, I understand people's comments and criticisms. Do you know what I mean? I'm not. I'm not here. To, I, I haven't come on this show to defend Man of Steel. <laughs> But you know, I enjoyed it, and the thing, the things I do defend is when people say, "Oh, he doesn't smile," and, "Oh, he's, he's so miserable." And I always say to people, "When you, my favorite scene in that film, and it's one of my like, it's up there with some of my favorite Superman moments, 
is when he does the kind of you know the what I like to call the Jarrell pep talk, which every Superman film has, where Jarrell kind of gives him that speech about you know they're a race behind you and blah blah blah, and um and he then flies. Um, yeah. That whole sequence where he's learning to fly as well, and where he's genuinely having fun. Yeah, no one could tell me he's not having fun in that scene. Even to the point of where before he fucks up and he foot crushes the ground, he's up there. And he's like, "Oh fuck, I'm flying." He's like laughing and whatever. He's like, "Oh shit," um, which would be what we would all do. Um, apart from the fact that I probably wouldn't do that because I wouldn't trust that I was powerful enough that I wouldn't land and die. But <laughs> anyway, different different story. Um, but that bit, he's genuinely enjoying himself. You might argue about the rest of the film, but for me that bit he's genuinely enjoying the fact that I've now mastered the power of flight and fuck I'm the man. Yeah, uh, I just the my big problem with that was that they Nolanize Superman and Superman's not a character you Nolanize. Uh, yeah, I mean <sighs> I I, just, I get that there are people that like it, it's just he's not the Superman I grew up with. Yeah, and, and I think you I think you made a really you guys made a really good point when you're talking about this whole kind of, you know, he or she is not my you know, yeah. that 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 statement should follow lots of things. It'd be like my favorite film of all time is Razor Lost Ark. Yeah. Uh, to me, you know, you can't get anyone else to play Indiana Jones because Indiana Jones is Harrison Ford, Harrison Ford is Indiana Jones. Yeah, no, I maintain that they made that solo Star Wars movie uh, to test the water for whether they could get away with recasting Harrison, uh, Harrison Ford role. Yeah. With the yeah. view to potentially recast Indiana Jones one day, it just it just doesn't. And I like Solo as well, but it just doesn't. I did, but it just it added nothing. It does, yeah, exactly. It, it, what, I forgot you, pretty much you, everything about it once yeah. I left. But if you if you rebooted, why comics when I'm talking Razor Lost Ark? But you know, if you rebooted um, Razor Lost Ark, right? If they said they're going to reboot. Which they were, which some people have talked about, and they talked about, you know, Chris Pratt and all this stuff. It's, and it's always whoever, Chris Pratt, <laughs> right? It's always Chris Pratt, right? And they, and that, that's where I am now. You know, I look at things where I'm a older. I look at things very different as a, you know. If you go and do that, people would expect me to lose my shit because a lot of people know I'm such a massive Indiana Jones fan. You know what? I'd go, yeah, good luck to you, because, yeah. you know. I've still got my films. I've still got Raised Lost Ark. I can still put that on and watch it. You know, that's it. That's the difference between ownership. It's like, like I say, you know, Man of Steel isn't my Superman, but I yeah. accept the fact that it is now somebody else's Superman. Yeah. And you know, for me to shit on it for it not being my Superman is kind of wrong. It doesn't mean I have to like it, but. It also means I don't have to vocally berate anybody that did like it. No, and I think that's the difference. I think the difference is, it's one thing to sort of say, I mean, I'm not a particular fan of um, the the newer Star Wars films. Um, no, I, I was going to use that as a case in point as well. <laughs> but like, there's stuff about, I'm, I'm talking and I'm talking about all of them, you know what I mean? After Return of the Jedi, I'm talking about all of them. Yeah. Got, and there's, there's parts of them I like, there's a lot about some of them I don't like, but I know people who've turned around and gone, that was my gateway into being a geek. Yeah. You know? Um, so who am I to turn around and go, well, that's the wrong gateway. That's bullshit. How can you like that film? My One of my big gateways into um, geekdom was fucking Flash Gordon. 
Yeah. You think if I sat down certain people now and was like, hey, this is this is a film. This is what you want to be watching. This is what got me into being a geek. They would just look at me like I'd lost my <laughs> damn mind. <laughs> well, my view with like the Star Wars films is that, because I quite like the prequels, I, any flaw anybody levels at them is pretty much justified. So I can't overly defend them. But I enjoyed them for what they were kind of thing. Yeah. Except yeah. for Attack of the Clones. <laughs> yeah, but certainly the Disney ones are sort of once... The Disney ones don't really have that Lucas magic, for want of a better term, that was in the original trilogy and was kind of in the prequels. The so everything that's wrong with the prequels, you could feel Lucas in them, involvement yeah, in them. The weird thing about so the prequels, quickly say, like episode one, um, too long, too much politics. Why was the kid like two? Yeah. Right. So I don't want to see the rise of Darth Vader from when he's like two, right? And the whole him Padme bit, he's like two, she's like 18, and in the next film, it's the same actress, and they've got another guy, and I'm like, this just feels weird. We have this yeah. weird disconnect, because you sort of, you've either grown to love that Anakin, and then he's somebody completely different in the next film. Yeah. Or, you know, either way, you're starting again with a fresh Anakin, who's still, well, he's even more of a whiny little bitch. Yeah. <laughs> However, the thing that I like, episode, you know, Revenge of the Sith, that's pretty, that's pretty decent in my book. Um, but my problem is, is that you could have just done Revenge of the Sith. Yeah, I think watching the Clone Wars really helps with yeah, yeah, adding to the prequels. Yeah. I know yeah. it's going to, you know, extra material to kind of make something else that should stand alone better. I think, yeah. like you say, the mistake they made was starting with a young kid. He should have been Hayden Christian or a better yeah. actor yeah. <laughs> <laughs> from Phantom Menace. And I think it would have worked a lot better with the conflict in him if they'd found him as, like, you know, a teenager. Yeah. And, rather and, than a preteen. And and also... If and again, you... that's nothing against Jake Lloyd because that poor kid got so much fucking no, shit. No, no, no. It wasn't even like he was a. It wasn't even like he was a bad or anything like. That. It just no, didn't... He, was an, he was an American child actor. Yeah, he was doing. He was there to do what he did, you know. But I think, and and also as well, you know, if you watch it as just a, um, possibly one of the greatest master plans I've seen in a genre of film. Spot on. Yeah. Because. Palpatine's planning it is flawless. Yeah. Fucking genius. <laughs> Plays everyone, you know? So for that alone, it's worth it, you know? And you're right about that kind of Lucas magic ideas machine. We won't talk about midi-chlorines in another podcast. Um, See, I've, but, I've gone back and forth on midi-chlorines. Uh, I've only gone one way on those. No, that's fine. I Again, whenever it's level yeah. with me, I'm kind of like, I can't argue with you because, you know, it takes that whole magic of the force away. But Yeah. But I think with the newer films, um, they're weird. And I think I don't know if some of it is because we're in such a saturated They just feel like fan films, and that's sort of how I've come to look at them. Yeah. But they're yeah, fan films yeah, yeah. with somebody with a lot of fucking money. <laughs> <laughs> the richest fan in the I want this to happen. Um but what I feel is we get this we're in this sort of ludicrous state and I'm trying to keep comics in the forefront of the yeah. conversation but um we're in this kind of ludicrous state where this sense of when you said this this sense of ownership and we do see it in comics and we see these trash fights starting up where 
people are trying to do something different and everyone's like on their, you know, why are you doing this? Oh, why have you got... It's not you know, helped by the way the stores are reported now. No. It's, on it's... certain sites that I won't name, but people know I have an issue with, they seem to report on it with the view of, you know, the start of fight. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, you know, and, and I suppose, and sometimes my kind of view of it, and I feel like bring you know a somewhat perspective as you know a, a a black geek um in that you know don't don't do me a press release on you've made such and such black or whatever just do it just yeah do it don't don't put your your hand up going look how look how great we are look how like forward thinking we are because we've done this just for, a Take your head out your ass. You're not forward thinking because <laughs> there's at least 30, 40 indie comics that have already done that better, more diverse, and they've just done it. Yeah. They've just done it. And you've picked up the comic and gone, wow. You know, Clockwork Watch, you know, um, Queen and Country, um, anything from improper books. Do you know what I mean? People, people have been doing it. Just because you, but it's like your Marvel and your Marvel and DC, you've now decided to do this. Look at us, we're the best there is, and you're not. <laughs> so that's that's thing number one. Do you know what I mean? Um, and thing number two is this sense of this sense of ownership to that. You know, if if someone was to take, I don't, I don't necessarily have a favorite comic character, but you know, if someone was to take a favorite and decide that they're going to do. I don't know, something to him, kill him, you know, um, make them a woman or be a black guy or a Greek guy or, you know, a squid. I don't know. Um, then I'm like, and I don't like that. Then I'm like, well, that's cool. I'll, I'll just jump ship. It's like when they changed Iron Man from Tony Stark to the girl who became Ironheart. Oh, yeah. And you had all that kickoff. I was kind of like, but there's still all that Tony Stark concept. I know, and yeah. I guarantee you've not read like 60 years of <laughs> Iron Man. It's all still out there for you to yeah. discover. It's like, let, you know, but my... a young girl who's looking for an Iron Man that she can relate to, for you know, to use the broad terms that they throw out there kind of thing. And you've still got your Tony Stark one. But my biggest gripe with it um, is... They're not brave. They, they, the way they phrase their press releases is like it's this brave new world. Yeah, and it's not brave because you don't stick at it. If you're gonna, if you're gonna like, you know, clear the decks as it were, which is some of the things they're talking about with this DC, five G, whatever it is. Is it DC five G? I don't know. I'm not sure. Uh, yeah, I think it is. I think it's something. That the rumor is like you know they're gonna bringing all new sort of characters and the legacy characters are going to be phased out like your Batman again. Um, and I think one of the rumours I heard was like Batman was going to be um, Lucius Fox's son. Right. And then, but Bruce Wayne is still going to be there to sort of mentor him from behind the scenes. Right. Well, one, straight away, my takeaway from that sentence is, right, well, you've got, you've got him there in the background. So if shit don't go well in cells, you can just easily bring him back in yeah you know um two it ain't it won't stick and by that i mean it ain't gonna stick because it won't it wouldn't work it ain't gonna stick because you're not doubling down on it yeah it's yeah it's there's very few characters that they've changed and stuck even with changing like 
Green Lantern from Hal Jordan to Carl Rayner, which was a white guy to a white guy. Yeah. <laughs> it still didn't stick. Yeah. You know, but I think, or, or if you're going to do that, if you, and I don't know who you get to do these things, but, and I'm trying to choose my, we're trying to choose my words carefully, but you, you, you stack the deck for yourself. Yeah. I.e., you, you, if you're going to do it, you go in there with your eyes open that you're going to get backlash and all the rest of it. So you've got to hit it with like the best of the best. That's it. You've got to tell the best story that you can tell with the best creative team that you can. Yeah. And you've just got to fucking own it. That's the yeah. trouble with the internet now. Yeah. Is that, and just don't, you know, switch your internet notifications off. Yeah. <laughs> it's not hard. Just blindly do what you're going to do or even quietly be working away on like, six yeah. months worth of issues so that you've got no choice but to release them. Yeah. And then like crack on with it and then you say that's it. That it's, it's, it's gone. They're, they're gone. It's the same with Doctor Who. Everybody hates the new Doctor because they grow to love the other one. Yeah. And, you know, within like two, three episodes, generally you're like, I really like this Doctor. They might be my favourite. Yeah. Or... <laughs> kind of thing. You know, or they, or you go, this doctor isn't for me, and I'll jump ship, and I'll come, I'll see what the next one's like. Yeah. You know, same with you know, I know people that won't watch, you know, Daniel Craig because they don't like that Bond. So like, I'll wait for the next one to come along. Now, yeah. the problem with the, obviously what they're trying to do with the comics is you kind of don't want the next one to come along because you want them to be brave and sort of go and stick with is, it. Yeah. Yeah. You know, or I'd rather them go. Say so say in the example of Tony Stark, and we're saying right now it's you say Riri Williams. That yeah, that was her, wasn't yeah. it? Yeah. So in that in that situation that you've moved on to Riri, whatever, and then in I don't know five, six, ten years time, whatever, that maybe she passes the mantle off to someone else who isn't Tony Stark. Yeah. Do you, do you know what I mean? Um, now I'm not dissing Tony Stark or any of those people. If that if you want to stick with those, that's fine. But if you're not going to stick with them, don't try and sell me this bullshit that it's a brave new world. Because With comics, you've always got that safety net of you can tell another story that still has Bruce Wayne as Batman. Yeah. It doesn't have to be in your continuity line. It could be like the Lost Adventure or whatever you want to package it. Yeah. So you don't need to kind of like, you know, lose him completely. You can still have him as a historic character kind of thing. Mm. If you know, if you need to, sort of be like sweeten the deal a little bit. <laughs> but, it's, but it's it's like I think so, it's just they do it in such a jarring way. Yeah, and I think and they make is, such a big thing about it. Exactly, and I think when they so with um when Jane Foster became four. Yeah. Um, I was already reading because I'm, I'm yeah I'm quite a big four fan, but I'm I was a big four fan from back in the day when he talks more Shakespearean. I always yes. loved that for, and then people were telling me you need to get on the Jason Aaron run because like he's, he's doing good things before. I'm like, oh, okay, I'll give it a go. And then I read, read the first volume. I can't think what it was called now. Um, God Killer, I don't know. And it was like I'm like this. Yeah, I'm on this. This guy, he's nailing it. Um, and he continued on the run, continued, and then he brought in Female Four, and I've been reading that as well. I haven't read them all. Um. But I liked, I enjoyed it, and um, because I was following the creative team, 
and the creative team were trying something, and I went with them. Yeah. And if they hadn't have done all the fucking press release and all that stuff, and just carried on with it, I would have been I would have been fine. But I was still I was just a bit. It was just a little bit. Oh, by the way, bro, have you seen the press release? I'm like, okay, yeah, but I'm I'm already reading it. Thanks. It's, 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 I'm alright, you know. And then they had this whole weird thing where you had you had um, Jane Foster's four, but then you had four Odin's son, and then people were going, yeah, but how can she be four? Because isn't four his name? It's like, no, no, four is his power. His real name is four Odin's son. I'm like, yeah, but isn't that four? I'm confused. I'll just go with it. I went with it, and I was happy. Because I like Jane Foster's force. That's yeah. fine. It's happy. But it, but I just, I just what I mean. You, you, they sometimes tie themselves in knots because they're trying to leave themselves so many avenues out. And maybe if they closed off all the avenues to themselves when they start to do this, and all, all they can do is push forward, I don't know. Maybe if there is no safety net, maybe they take more chances with what they're doing creatively. I, I don't know. As opposed to kind of moving forward a bit and then going... Ooh, it's not back working. Step, back step, back step, back step, back step. You know, <laughs> you know, and then suddenly it's like rolled, rolled back to the hammer, or rolled back to the cow, or you know, and you just go, okay, I'll, I'll just, I'll just wait for the road back. Let me know when that happens. What's it? Because you've got to give any new character time to bed in. Exa- yeah, it's the same with a new yeah. TV series. You can't judge something on a single issue. Or yeah, kind of thing. You need to give it. I'd say at least three or four. And I think that's part of the big problem is that they try and do these long form stories straight away that just frustrate people. Yeah. It's like, if you're introducing a new character, do a nice type four issue first story to, you know, give people a beginning, middle and end kind of thing. And then give them time to go on a journey with that character rather than a journey that doesn't seem to go anywhere. Yeah. Until the point where they're kind of like, Tony's back. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Again. It's like, it's all all right. Nanotech, it was a scroll, whatever. Yeah, sorted. <laughs> right, I've just re- I've just realised what the time is. <laughs> All right, cool. All right, and so quickly then we'll we'll end on comics, <laughs> and uh, yeah. with, with a couple of recommendations. <laughs> I, I feel I feel I need to apologise. I feel like I've derailed the wise comics to why why just why. <laughs> well, I don't know because I I feel all that stuff is part of comics now whether you like it or not kind of thing yeah so i think it is an aspect of it that is worth talking about certainly in the way people view comics the same as they are a film or movie franchise the way fandom has changed good i like your thinking there you go i've I've covered for it (laughs) tony's back (laughs) (laughs) not to be confused with tony the tiger who's great So, <laughs> so, so yeah so if you sort of had to recommend a couple of comics to people because you knew yes, i was going to ask so. i did i did and i came prepared i'm um so first off i obviously um planetary which is uh warren ellis and uh john cassidy and um laura martin i believe um uh which is phenomenal um love it do i need to explain about it or can i just say planetary no no, you, oh, awesome. you love it. That's. Um, this I mean, if you work... want to, you can. But... <laughs> nah, people can find out. Do some homework. Um, DC, because uh, I feel like I've been bashing DC and Marvel, so I feel like I've got to give them a little, little hair up. Um, DC, the New Frontier, which is by um, Darwin Cook. 
I love New Frontier. Um, I am lucky enough to have an awesome wife who bought me several um, absolutes, um, mainly because she doesn't like comics just sitting on the shelf. She likes to have proper things like hard covers and stuff like that. So she good enough reason to me. Yeah, um, that, that whatever whatever works, love. I don't mind. Um, as long so, as I get yeah. it. Yeah, as long as I get it. So yeah, so she got me for birthday. Like I've got an absolute um, Dark Knight Returns, absolute All Star Superman, which I've still yet to read actually. Absolute Planetary, um, and she got me absolute News um, Frontier. Not all in one go, I might add. <laughs> she ain't that well off and doesn't so, love me that. This much. is your birthday and Christmas present for the rest of your life. Your life, rest of your days. <laughs> um, and she's just texting me, she's on her way home. Um, just text her to say just finishing up she'd be like you still fucking going <laughs> i told you we planned for an hour but it always goes i know um yeah so new frontier i actually read um i was properly like man flewed up um and actually lying on the floor it's a long story um and i just got that down and read it like in one sitting um and it's one of the most amazing superhero comics i've read just just love it it's beautiful just yeah and if you want to see just beautiful and i love you know pulp that kind of pulp adventure thing i love anyway and this was pulp adventure with superheroes you know it was just just awesome uh phenomenal and and then, i mean the, the animated film does a really good job but the comic <laughs> you know? yeah it's it's like the cliff notes isn't it it's <laughs> yeah yeah, it just it blows out of the water, and it's been a, it's been a few years since I've read it, so I feel like a reread coming on. Um, and in and the absolute, if you've got money, the absolute edition is just, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, yeah, yeah. So there's that um, half past danger, which is basically uh, pure pulp Indiana Jones adventure set in sort of um, World War Two, which is by Stephen Mooney. Glorious art, just proper two-fisted action, uh, which is from uh, IDW. He's done two. So he's done um, Half Past Danger and Half Past Danger, Dead to Reichs. Reichs is in the Third Reich. Yeah. Um, and two more quickly. Crean and Country, um, which is by Greg Rucker. Um which, if you're into espionage, spy stuff, like shows like Spooks from back in the day, this is your bag. It's, it's awesome. Really, really good comic. Um, and on that same note, um, have, you ever heard of, have you heard of a comic called Velvet? Uh, I haven't, no. So this is by Ed Brubaker um, and with an artist star, Steve Epton and Elizabeth Brightweiser. Apology for murdered your name. Um, <laughs> and uh, I'll pitch this as it was pitched to me. Um, imagine if um, James Bond was actually Money Penny. Right. So it's really difficult. So, but effectively, you know, you see your James Bond, he always goes in, he has a little um, conversation with Money Penny, doesn't it? And you just think, oh, yeah. Money you know she has to kind of spend her days just like um telling bond to fuck off basically and then um, swooning over him yeah but imagine if that was basically a cover and she was as deadly if not deadlier than bond 
um, and then she gets framed and then has to use and she's kind of sort of semi-retired as well she's retired as well um, and then has to go into go go on the run sort of born style um, and that's basically velvet and she is awesome um it's just i mean ed brubeck anyway but yeah it's fantastic three volumes fantastic Ooh, there's a deluxe hardcover of that yeah yeah no that's that's going on my christmas list <laughs> lovely art as well and but just a really good um espionage story as well um and i said the blurb is yeah she's the most dangerous woman alive and boy is she no, that sounds awesome. That sounds like everything I love. So. <laughs> and probably better than the handle money period penny in uh, Skyfall. Yeah. So yeah. you finally get to see her out in the field. Oh, shit, she shot Bond. Yeah. Off <laughs> <Bond> behind <laughs> a desk. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, sort of, where can people find you online or any upcoming cons? Um, uh, right. Um, if, on if people long... want to throw some Man of Steel abuse at you. Yeah, well, yeah, I'm, I'm all over the place. I'm going to throw abuse at me. Um, <laughs> obviously, uh, I do Geek Syndicate, so you can find me at geeksyndicate.co.uk. So there's contact deets there. Um, and I will be at Fort Bubble with Unseen Shadows. Um, so you can find out more about me doing the Unseen Shadows side of things at unseenshadows.com. Um, I'm launching it. Excuse me, I'm launching a uh, a new um, 88-page comic there um, this year. Cool. Which, which went to the printers yesterday, so actually looks like we will be able to launch it there. So it's always awesome. a bit touch and go. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I've just had that racing to get something to the printer in time for Nottingham. Yes, always. Uh, I've had three days of just stuff coming from printers. It's been quite nice. <laughs> so That weird feeling of a trepidation and excitement yeah but awesome man cool. cheers for that no worries man uh, that was good fun yeah good yeah i really enjoyed it so but but yeah no yeah hopefully i don't get you in trouble <laughs> no well she well i'm gonna go in there because she's literally just text say ring me when you're finished i'm back in the house so uh, <laughs> i'm not sure what that means i mean if she's back in the house i guess i'll just go back in the house but, uh, <laughs> But I might ring her just to find out, just in case she she wants me to stay out here, which means I'm really having. <laughs> so, you did I'll not let, read between the lines. Yeah, I'll let you know how that goes. Awesome. So, all right, buddy. Awesome. Cheers, man. All right, mate. Take care. Yeah. Bye. And that was my conversation with Barry. Uh, I hope you guys enjoyed listening to it. I'd like to thank Barry again for coming on and talking comics with me. Uh, I really enjoyed talking to him. Uh, the links that Barry mentions for where you can find him online will be in the show notes, along with the comics he recommends. So if you want to check any of them out, do that. And um, yeah, that's pretty much it for this week. Uh, next week, if all goes to plan, I should hopefully be joined by the mighty Steve Sims, he of Beast Hunting Battle Badgers fame. Uh, I haven't recorded that one yet, but hopefully I should be recording it as this one goes up. So barring any major problems, we should be good for uh, Steve Sims next week. Um, in the meantime, if you're listening to this before Saturday the 19th of November and you're in the Nottingham area or planning on heading to Nottingham Comic Con, I shall be there with the nerds who haunt themselves. Um, so the podcast and the publishing arm, but mostly the publishing arm. 
uh, where I will be tabling at table U20 upstairs. I will be launching both my March of the Robot comic and the Hello to Jason Isaacs proper print edition uh, after the soft launch at the con that shall not be named. And um, yeah, I'm really looking forward to it. So if you guys are there, pop along, say hello, throw some abuse at me. Uh, it's going to be nice to travel a couple hundred miles and uh, meet some people that I don't normally meet down this end of the country for true believers and that. Uh, hopefully I'm not positioned next to on a table next to somebody that lives just down the road from me. But, you know, fingers crossed. I'm going to be sat next to Andy, aren't I? I am. I know it. God damn it. I know I am because I've seen the floor plan. I'm trying to be funny doesn't work um yeah so you can find me there like i say i will have both uh, robot and jason isaacs comic not the actual jason isaacs not since the restraining order so yeah i will have both the Ro march robot comic and jason isaacs there if you want to come by and buy one or just point and laugh at my attempts at doing comics and uh yeah that's that uh if you can't make it along there, they will be available to buy on our website from hopefully Monday is the plan. Unless I sell out, which they'll be available Monday from the website. Um, that website is OKTrueBelievers.com. We can also find information about Troops, um, the other comics that we've got, Tales from Beyond Infinity 1 and 2. Find all the past podcast episodes and whatnot. And I can't remember if this happened in between episodes but we revealed Andy's artwork for the Jack Kirby lanyard for Troops next year, which you can also find on the tickets page on the website. Uh, beyond that, you can find the Nerds Who Haunted Themselves on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash haunted nerds. Uh, you can find us on Twitter as at OKTrueBelievers and on Podbean as hauntednerds.podbean.com. Uh, if you're the kind of person who wants to find me online don't know why um you can find me on twitter as at token nerd i'm on instagram as stuart underscore thinks underscore he underscore can underscore draw obviously that's an underscore underscore not write the word underscore and uh on facebook as facebook.com stuart can't draw and um yeah that is it for this week like i say join us next week for hopefully steve sims and um yeah, if I don't see you Saturday, I will see you next week. Uh, this has been a Nerds Who Haunt Themselves production, and I've been Stuart Moraine. And until next time, read some awesome comics, create some awesome things, and keep spreading the four-colour word. Thanks for listening. Bye. You're not